Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Good morning to you. It is one minute and five seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO here in beautiful downtown Portland, uh, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am he. Thank you for joining us today. Here alongside uh, Sarah X. Dillon, Tim Riley, and Greg Nibbler, bringing you amusements and uh, other things. Diversion. Good, good start to the show. It's what I do. Coming out of the gate flawlessly. Executing everything I do with an absolute uh, surplus of genius. It's 503-228-4101 if you would like to uh, join us telephonically speaking today. 503-228-4101. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R. At KUFO.com, you can uh, text as well. It's 520-51-520-51. There's now officially too many ways for people to get in touch with us, but you know, what are you do? we'll juggle it all with a plum. Uh, it's uh, 503-228-4101. Coming up uh, today, we'll talk to uh, Jim Root from CNN Radio Los Angeles, who I think was just uh, kind of up to his eyeballs yesterday because they had the whole thing with Chris uh, Brown pleading guilty, and then Ed McMahon snuffed it, 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 it like before the sun was even up. So... I think he was at a press conference or something for the Chris Brown deal yesterday morning, and then he had to go over and hear something from the McMahon family that said something. So we'll talk to him today and get a recap on all of that. So uh, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. We will talk to uh, a guy named Adam who is he is the listener that flew to London, I don't know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, or whatever, to see Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen in London. So he, he flew there, he went to the premiere, um, saw, you know, saw the film, and it will, he'll have uh, his thoughts, not just on the movie itself, because I think the word may be out on that. Um, God, did you read Roger Ebert's review of Transformers 2? I had the New York Times review, which is very good. Oh, man, the Ebert review is awesome. It starts off, I, I'll have to find, he's actually put out a book. I don't want to get myself sidetracked here, but I will say that Ebert's reviews, especially his negative reviews, are so great that he's actually compiled them all into a book that I think is just called I Hated, Hated, Hated This Movie. You know what I'll read later on, and this sounds like it's not going to be interesting, but it will be. Do you remember a movie called uh, North with Bruce Willis? No, I don't. It seems like one of those movies yes, that you would have yes, worked on. Sarah, North? I do remember that It's movie. Bruce Willis, and I want to say Toby Maguire, but is it the other guy that I always confuse with Toby Maguire, Elijah Wood? They're anyway, the same thing. They're, they're kind of flip sides of the same coin. Anyway, the Ebert review of North is like the best thing ever written. I think it does contain the key phrase, this movie ought to be cut up into small pieces and given away for free as ukulele picks to the poor. I filed that phrase away because it was so great. Anyway, he just uh, savaged Terminator 2. But that's less important than the fact that we sent a guy to London. So uh, we'll talk to uh, a listener, Adam Bush, and find out how his trip to London to see Transformers 2 was. Uh, coming up today at 720, mystery guest, uh, where I'm given, and I think we're now down to the point where I'm given no notice at all. I'm not even given the name until like 10 seconds beforehand. Yeah. It's so because you're a pro. That's right, Tim. 
Uh, and so today, it, it's all lined up. We've got the mystery guest locked and loaded. Done and done. You feel good about it? I have friends waking up and setting their alarms for 7.15 just to hear you talk to this person. Uh, that's great. So now, who found the mystery? Was it you and Greg this time, or was it somebody else? Were no, you... Greg and I did. All right, because I know now. I, I know. Greg, Pat... But yeah, Greg was looking, uh, paging through the, um, the radio guide. So I know everybody wants to be the person to find the mystery guest. Uh, yeah. Now everybody wants to find the guest that's just going to completely and finally break the segment in two. All right, that's coming up at seven twenty. Uh, we'll also talk to Dan Finnerty of the Dan Band, uh, seen in uh, Old School and The Hangover, and they did that to the holiday special last year. That's all coming up. We've got uh, tickets to see the Portland Timbers and tickets to see the Stain, Shine Down, Chevelle, and Hailstorm uh, show as well. That's coming up, part of KUFO Summer of Rock, Clark County Amphitheater on August tenth. <sighs> all right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, is what I am. That is fantastic. Here, look how tan I am. You know, I almost wore a shirt that's that same color today. I'm glad I didn't, because yeah. then it would be all awkward. You're very tan. Hey, you didn't call me yesterday about the stripper thing. I know, because there were a lot of children there, and it wasn't, I didn't feel it was the proper day for you to come and see stripper soup. We should refrain. If you don't know what we're talking about, that sounded really awkward. It, 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 we're not talking about, well, I guess we are talking about strippers and children, but this is a uh, this is your friend Heather's apartment building where there's a swimming pool like in Melrose, and it's a bunch of strippers with uh, their weird, uh, like, ratty-haired kids always hanging yes, around. Yes, but the, yesterday there were way too many children. I don't think you would have had the proper experience. No, I, I would have been off put by that. So, I think, so I think today might be that day, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't function well when there are kids around. No, I don't function well either, and the children, like, they're very rude, especially since their moms are all trashy and chain-smoking next to the pool. <laughs> they're not paying any attention to them, and their kids are splashing us, like... Excellent. Honestly, it's starting to make a pool full of like child haters. Yeah, it's no. kind of amazing. It's, well, but here's the thing: if you're on the fence about kids, it's like having go to the zoo or to stripper soup. That exactly, or go to like, uh, or go to Lloyd Center, uh, which I did yesterday, by the way, because I made, I had a sort of, I made a, an only half-hearted attempt to return that shirt that we destroyed with a hammer and uh, the ink pack. Is it, so if you were listening yesterday, we had this. I bought this shirt. You tried to return that? I did. I bought this shirt for like $14, and I got it here, and I realized that they hadn't taken the ink pack off. And so we had this whole day of deliberation yesterday about, what are we going to do? How do you get the ink pack off? Maybe we should put it in the freezer. Maybe I should use forceps. And we finally just ended up with, we, and by we, I mean Greg, because I, I turned into a gigantic, uh, I was just a huge pussy about the whole thing, and I couldn't. And I, I kept turning my head so as not. I was. I guess I had it in my. I had it in my brain somehow that the thing was filled with plutonium and that it would just explode and, and kill me. And so finally, Greg had to step in and smash it with a hammer. But in doing so, we tore huge holes in the shirt. So I made this sort of good faith effort to return it, and I was just like, I don't know. I just uh, took it out of the bag, and it's got all these holes in it. And the guy just said, Yeah, we can't return that. Next, and I. Just, I didn't even. I wasn't even looking to push on it. So anyway, but there's a, my point is the Lloyd Center and especially the Lloyd Center food court is just even without that Scamps pet store there, it's just it's just packed to the rafters with kids. So it's like some sort of kinesthetic birth control. Let's uh, pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. Five oh seven is going to be able to see seventy today. A high is near eighty. Perfect day for the stripper pool. Huge crowds packed City Hall last night venting both pro and con about the proposed renaming of 39th Avenue after Cesar Chavez. Now, the rules say there had to be two readings, followed by public testimony. Now the city council will vote on July 8th. The guy who wrote the Debbie Boone love classic, You Light Up My Life, was charged with allegedly raping and assaulting 11 women in Oregon, Washington, Florida, and California. Now, this is probably the first, well, the first case we know of, of a Craigslist casting couch case. Joseph Brooks is an Academy Award-winning music producer, and now he's indicted on multiple charges of rape, criminal sex, sexual abuse, forcible touching, grand larceny, criminal mischief, 
The victims were lured to his apartment under the guise of auditions for a special project. He's lighting up no one's life. That's true. This is fantastic. Well, not fantastic. It's interesting. Let's be clear that we're segueing from the raping story right. uh, it, it, into it, the it, comment it. about something being fantastic. Right. So. It's another comment on the Nixon tapes. Now, a brand new batch of Nixon tapes came out yesterday, and uh, he, he never ceases to be an interesting character, shedding more life on his thoughts than we ever knew. So according to the tapes, Nixon believed in aborting mixed-race babies. This according to his latest wow. tapes. Wow. As if he wasn't nuts enough as it was like before. Like when he wasn't busy blaming Jews for everything. Right. So had this happened, Barack Obama probably wouldn't have been born. According to the newly released White House audio tapes, Nixon summed up his view of abortion in a 1973 uh, tape. He said, there are times that abortion is necessary. I know that. This is a quote now from Nixon. And you know the way this guy thinks or thought. When you have a black or a white, he told an aide before adding... Uh, or a rape. So, and then he's talking to uh, the old President Bush on the phone, who was then GOP chairman. He pitched the recruitment of pretty women to run for the party after two caught his eye in the South Carolina legislature. He said, quote, let's look at some and understand I don't do it because I'm for women. Well, of course not. I'm, I'm doing it because a woman might win some place where a man might not. The Let's look at some. I want you to bring them in so that Nixon can stare at them. So this well, is uh, creepy. 1973 thinking, which might not be out of line with some people who are still in both parties. Here's, here's the thing. It, the thing about Nixon is he's sort of like this endless, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's like one of those Russian nesting dolls, but just of evil. And just when you think I'm you've crazy. gotten down, yeah, when you, yeah, when you think you've gotten down to the absolute core, you know, when you have the absolute, the absolute uh, just... When you when you've hit some sort of weird sedimentary uh, layer of Nixon's awfulness, uh, you know he just sort of pole vaults right over that and just uh, and just resumes being hideous again. So, so those in the Nixon points. Library are giving it to us in small doses. Why would they give us that? That's the thing. Like they still won't give us the eighteen minute gap that Rose Woods or whatever her name is accidentally deleted, where he was just telling Bob Haldeman to pay off the Cuban burglars. They'll release a thing about how he wants to abort everybody he doesn't like, but he won't put out something where he's like, and then I said to tape the locks. Jesus, this is, this is, we just live in a big freaking zoo is what we live in. This entire world is just one big nuthouse. So they give us a little uh, every so often, but I mean, did this guy ever think no. of anything that wasn't cruel No, no at any no, point no, of the day in no, his life? No, he didn't. Did, did the cruelty ever stop <laughs> for one second? The thing about Nixon is you always... And, and he's the only one we know about, really. And you always knew what you were dealing with, though. He was a known quantity because he was just bad. There was just nothing good about him at all. So crooked you have to screw his pants on. All right, well, more from Nixon uh, later on today. Uh, it is the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Coming up later on in the program, we will have mystery guest Dan Finnerty from the Dan Band, Jim Root from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Emerson Show returns. And I cannot tell you how many times somebody will be walking by a nickel. This is Rock 101 KUFO. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. Now it's in your head. I hate you with everything in me. Good morning to you. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Rock 101 KUFO. 503-228-4101 is our phone number. You can also text if you like. It's 
888-528-2557. Coming up next hour, we'll talk to uh, KUFO listener Adam, who flew to London to see uh, Transformers 2. I'll read that Ebert uh, review, by the way, of Transformers 2. It's just like the opening and closing paragraphs, which are great. The thing about Ebert is... Well, you just can't keep that guy down. It's like, I think God has hit him with a cancer stick like a hundred different times and I think has taken away his jaw. Uh, But he just sits there and just continues to just bang out angry uh, reviews of things, which is awesome. Is he kind of your hero? He really is because he just can't be, I mean, like I think because he had cancer or something, it was cancer of the weird. It was like of of his salivary glands or something. And then like part of his tongue and I think like one of his jaws or, it was just like a, it was a bizarre conglomeration of cancers. So... Which is, because you don't really think about getting cancer. It's like getting cancer of the teeth, which I wonder if that's possible. Let me ask you this. Do you ever think about various body parts and try to figure out if you could get cancer there? No. Let me ask you this. Could you get cancer of the ears? See, you don't know, do you? Tim, cancer of the ear? I don't think so. I've never heard of it. Greg, cancer of the ear? Yes, no, maybe? You got nothing. All right. Cancer of the hair? I don't, you can't get cancer in your hair. Why not? Because, because hair dead. is hair. Because hair is hair. Yeah. So what can you do? Can't you just cut it off then? Uh, yes. That's true. Well, that's why you can't get cancer of the hair. Well, you could, Maybe but it would be easy. we all cancer of the hair. It would be easy to get rid of, though. It would be easily treated. Moving forward. Uh, so uh, Ebert wrote this great review of Transformers 2 that we'll uh, read here in a bit. And I will read this review of, of the movie North, which I think stands as probably the most pointed caustic thing that he's ever put on paper. Uh, we also got Dan Finnerty of the Dan Band. That's coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Mystery guest at 720 and Jim Rupa weighing on the whole business of uh, Chris Brown and uh, Ed McMahon, who, uh, of course, passed away yesterday. We've also got another installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard and tickets to see the Portland uh, Timbers. Just real quickly. I can't go into details on this, and you'll understand why as soon as I as soon as I tell you. Sarah did the worst thing to me during the break, where Sarah, <laughs> and I don't know if it was intentional or if it was sort of inadvertent or if you thought I already knew. I won't say anything else uh, about this for reasons of propriety and discretion and, and privacy and so forth, but Sarah made a passing reference where she revealed the worst thing about somebody else's sex life, something that I wish I did not know, and something that now is stuck in my head. I, I'm trying to think of a way... I'm trying to think of a way to to uh, to sort of explain the kind of detail that you just gave to me without using that specific act because it's so specific that the person would undoubtedly know it was you they were talking about. They would. Um, let's see. Um, so but then again, I don't even know if the person listens. You know, but they but the they, thing but is they, they would today. hear about it. That's the thing <laughs> yeah. is they would hear about it. So Sarah and I during the break just now were talking about a mutual acquaintance of ours. And Sarah, we were talking about the person's, uh, I don't know, something about them. Sarah made some passing reference to, well, you know, how they like to be blanked and blanked, you know, in bed. And I said, what? What do you mean? And she goes, oh, didn't you know that? And I said, no, I didn't know that. Why did you just tell me that? <laughs> and I'm, It is as though um, it's like that. It's not this, but it's like this. This is sort of analogous uh, to what Sarah revealed during the break. Imagine... If you were told that someone you knew fairly well in your life enjoyed having earwax stuffed into their mouth during sex. I know that's a horrible image, but it's the closest thing I can come up with that is not the actual thing Sarah revealed to me. It's like, why would you want to know that about somebody? The answer is you don't. But now it's in my head. and And because I know... I can see how it's reasonable that you would have thought I already had that information about that person. 
But I know that probably nobody well, else just, it's so does. so weird that I thought that you yeah. would know. No, and, and and I didn't know, but now I do. And now it's going to be in my head like some sort of weird <laughs> carnal hot potato because there's nobody else I can pass it along are you to. Gonna, are you afraid when you see this person that you're going to blurt it out? That's all I'm going to see. Now, the <laughs> next time I see them, all I'm going to picture is them getting earwax shoved in their mouth. Except not earwax and not in their mouth. Oh, God, why did I even bring this up again? I was I was thinking that discussing it openly would make it better, but that's never true. Can't wash off the dirty. No. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 525 is going to be a mostly sunny day today. Highs once again near 80. Uh Uh-oh. Local authorities are hoping you'll take precautions since legal fireworks are now on sale in the state. Safety officials say most accidents with fireworks occur when children are playing with them. There's a whole $100 fine that's going to be issued to anyone using illegal fireworks or setting them off. They ask you to remember tampering with fireworks is a federal offense and using them on public parks or beaches is prohibited. Wait a minute. So there's so legal fireworks are on, why, are on sale today or illegal? Well, I guess if they're illegal, illegal things are on sale all the time. Be announcing that. Yeah, illegal on sale. Illegal things are just, uh, those are moving 24-7. Mm-hmm. All right. And that is... Here's a, not that I'm advocating or promoting or endorsing or encouraging the use or purchase of illegal fireworks, but is that a thing you can get like in Battleground? Isn't there some sort of a, isn't there like a, like an Indian joint up there? That yeah, just, I mean, there, uh, are lots of, there are reservations up there you can go get them at. So that's, I mean, that's where you could buy uh, what a friend of mine, not me, of course, uh, what my friend Rob used to refer to as the good kind. And that's the kind that can take off like a whole hand if you're not, uh, if you're not really careful. All right. I guess those are the best kind. Police are on the lookout for two women suspected of stealing a lady's purse and then going on a shopping spree. It was stolen when she was shopping at the Ross Dress for Less in Happy Valley. <laughs> Detectives believe the purse was taken by two women who then went on a shopping spree. They went to Target, GameStop, Walgreens, and then stopped for dessert at Dairy Queen. Let's Those go. Are high rollers. Rob, rob someone at the Ross Dress for Less and then use all their money at Walgreens. <laughs> Not all of it. They had money left to go to Dairy Queen at the end. <laughs> They spent $1,300 in 45 minutes. How can you spend $1,300 at Walgreens in a That's DQ? pretty impressive. That doesn't make any sense at all. I need every dilly bar in the house and a Mr. Misty to go. All you right. got me. It happened in Clackamas County. Hey, do they still sell dilly bars? Yes. Okay. Mr. Misty? I don't know. Hot Fudge Brandy Delight? Yes. Peanut Buster Parfait? Yes. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, this is bad news, especially with those kids out there. Even though they know it is dangerous, one in five teens are engaged in sexting. Sexting? <laughs> or sexting. They uh, post naked pictures of themselves on the telephone, often to strangers. This is a USA Today report. It found that most teens said they only sent risque pictures via cell phones or email to a boyfriend or girlfriend. They post naked pictures of themselves on the telephone. <laughs> That's right. I'm just picturing <laughs> I'm just picturing like an old phone with like a scotch taped photograph of like your son's junk. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there going to pick it up phone. like <laughs> I'm gonna go order a pizza. Ah! And it's just a it's just a just a big picture of the business right there on the cradle. Uh, but eleven percent say they've sexted the people they've never met. About 80% of these teens who are destroying their lives are all under the age of 18. They could be running afoul with the law. Is it wrong that we immediately laughed at the phrase teens destroying their lives and all of us are the it's room? It's going to go down in the permanent record. But don't you just sort of figure that we're getting to the point where it's not going to matter because everybody, everybody is going to have, I mean, not, not like us, obviously, but I mean, everybody who's, everybody who's under the age of like 21, you've got to figure... That they or someone they know has done it. Like probably a third of the people in high school 
have done it. I mean, you just and I hate to be like an old guy assuming everything's going to hell, but it's not even about that. It's just like the tech, the technology didn't exist when I was a kid, or we, you know, everybody in my school probably would have. No, been. people had Polaroid cameras. Look, sluts are sluts. There's just no getting around mm-hmm. it. I mean, look, there's look. If you sluts have come in any age, th- that's that's exactly that is exactly right, Sarah. And I'm just making this is a sociological observation. Uh, if you've got a son or a daughter, the odds are like, I would say. Somewhere between one and three, one and three and a half, uh, that they're sluts, or would be if anybody was interested in them. I mean, that's just a fact. So, well, I, I, I think that's the rule for every generation. Yeah, I mean that, that exactly my point, Tim. Is that hasn't changed. All that changes is the means by which their sluttiness uh, can right. be exercised. I mean, or exposed. gone are the days when one would stand by the roadside lifting up her petticoat to a passing car. Did that really happen? Is that where you just see the leg in the shot and she's uh, and somebody slams on the brakes in a jalopy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, three in five say they knew someone who shared personal information of any sort online, which could be unsafe, but they did it anyway. (laughs) Roughly 40% say they keep their parents in the dark about these activities. Little hooligans. String them up in their Buster Browns. All right. Well, don't say you weren't warned. I got lots to say about that, but I, uh, I think that's just a, that's just a, that's a road to a dark place. Let's do uh, one more here. Pictures of themselves and Polaroid cameras in dark alleys. Aren't you just picturing? Is it, if you, Tim, if you were the uh, if you were the New Yorker right now, you'd be doing some sort of a pithy cartoon where it's like a, a daughter doing a risque cave painting of herself, uh, and then like the father and the mother who are dressed in like bearskins or something would say, but there would be some pun on sexting. You know, they'd say, "I don't know this new generation, no sexual morality," and then like Lacey Turner would read it and laugh. Oh, speaking of that, uh, New Yorkers had enough of the. Sexual orgy, Calvin Klein billboard, and it's been taken down. Now, is it really an orgy? I heard it was just four people. Let's see. One, two, three. I mean, that's not really an orgy. Three. Wouldn't that be an orgy? Maybe many... somebody's turned the wrong way that I can't see them. It looks like three here, or but it's be gone. Foursome. What is it? Is it three people? Is this is the same billboard that I, that I read about earlier this week, where it's a billboard in Times Square or somewhere. Was Soho. it Times Square? Soho. Mm-hmm. And it's a Calvin Klein billboard. And you think that Calvin Klein would run out of ways to... you think that people would no longer be shocked by Calvin Klein and by this, especially because it... Seem pretty tame. It says here it's a threesome, or it was. Well, that's not an orgy. How many people have to... Okay, so there are four guys and one girl. It is a very young topless woman atop a shirtless male while kissing another man. Below them, a guy in his shirt, so that's a... a, That's four. So Tim says four. I say four. Yeah, so there are four. Three guys and And that's not an orgy. I mean, not really. Well, it looks like it might be an orgy in like... Fifteen minutes. It looks like it's on its way to becoming an orgy. That's like th- that's a threesome and a guy passed out on the uh, on the on the carpet. Uh, <laughs> Adolf Arena, a dog walker, said the ad is offensive. He's glad they took it down. MySpace announced today it'll eliminate. Why that has nothing to do with that story. Well, all right. All on right. that note, ladies and gentlemen, straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley coming up next hour. We'll talk to the winner of the Transformers uh, flyaway trip to London, the guy who saw Transformers too, courtesy of KUFO, Dan Finnerty of the Dan Band, and Jim Roop from CNN Radio, Los Angeles, live from Portland, Oregon. It's Wednesday morning. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments, only on Rock 101. UFO. The Rick Emerson Show. They attacked me like a bunch of mad wolf, and they stuck forward. I thought I was going to die, because they were like rabid animals. The Rick Emerson Show returns. All right, let's all get a hold of ourselves. 
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the uh, Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't forget, you can go to rickemerson.com and you can give us uh, your thoughts and input on uh, what we should do for best of segments. So this, uh, not this Friday, was it next Friday, the 3rd? Is it next Friday? Next so a week Friday, from this yep. Friday, yeah. Uh, so not this coming Friday, but next Friday, July 3rd, uh, we will be uh, taking a day of rest, ladies and gentlemen, to ponder all the glories of this uh, republic in which we live. So uh, that'll be a Friday, July 3rd, and then, I don't know, the, the, some other point we'll... I don't know, slack for a series of days. So if uh, you have thoughts about what we ought to be uh, playing back uh, when we're uh, you know, gone, at vacation, or sick, or whatever, uh, you go to rickemerson.com. I tell you to, to go to kufo.com slash like whatever, but, the, but the, the, the URL is just impossible. It's just this long conglomeration of letters and numbers. It's, it just looks like gibberish. So it's easier just to go to rickemerson.com. You go to rickemerson.com. Uh, you look at the most recent blog entry. You click on that, and then you can uh, go right to a little uh, form where you can tell us what you want to hear again. So that is uh, for next Friday. July 3rd. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Hello again, 541. It's going to be mostly sunny today, high stay rating, possibly some rain by tomorrow. A tramet driver faked engine problems with a bank robber trying to use the bus as his getaway car. 64-year-old Joseph Dillon ran to the bus after allegedly robbing a bank of the West yesterday morning. He hopped aboard, but a passenger who was right behind him, witnessed the commotion, uh, whispered to the bus driver, that's the bank robber. And so the bus driver told the bank robber, uh, I have engine problems and we should be getting short, going shortly. But even in a normal time when people tell you that, you know you're going to be waiting on TriMet for a while. And the idea that, it. I mean, you're robbing a bank, which is a serious deal. I mean, you shouldn't rob anything, of course, no. but if you're robbing a bank, that's what the government will F you like you have never been F'd before if you rob a bank. And so it seems like... As a build-up to that, maybe you ought to steal yourself a car. I mean, I'm, I'm not telling you to do that, but it just seems, logically speaking, seems like maybe stealing a Like, first you steal maybe a knife, then you use that to steal a gun, then you use the gun to steal a car, then you work your way up to a bank so you can, you know, get away from having to rely on TriMet. You know, but what do I know? All right. Well, obviously an amateur. Eduardo Herrera is charged with kicking Caitlin Bernardi in the head because she's gay. She was sitting on the curb at Southwest Broadway in Oak, at 3 o'clock in the morning one day, when Herrera tried to bum a smoke opera, she didn't have any, when he asked if she was gay and she said yes, he allegedly kicked her in the head. But you shouldn't be sitting on a corner downtown at 3 o'clock in the morning. It seems like if you talking are... Talking to people at all, really. I, really, I, I don't talk to I people mean, during broad daylight. Hello, and just look at the floor. So uh, it's a bad idea to do that. Say we have some new uh, Richard Nixon tapes today. Who wants to hear them? Me. Yes. All right. Uh, tapes released by the Nixon Library and Museum of Yorba Linda reveal an assertive president, no, determined to end the Vietnam War, even if he had to, quote, cut off the head of the South Vietnamese leader, unquote. These comments uh, recorded January 1973 during a private meeting with Kissinger. At the time, the South Vietnamese president was balking at signing a peace agreement, believing the communist North would overrun his country if the U.S. withdrew. In another exchange, uh, Nixon talks to Christian evangelist Billy Graham about Israeli forces downing a Libyan passenger train or plane. Anti-Semitism is more, stronger than we think, you know. They just, it's, it's unfortunate, but this has happened to the Jews. It happened in Spain. It's happened in Germany. It's happening. And now it's going to happen in America if these people don't start behaving. It may be they have a death wish. You know, that's been the problem with our Jewish friends for centuries. Wow. You would think at some point, just his Jewish friends. I'm sure he has many. 
Nixon has many Jewish friends. Nixon just doesn't want his daughter to marry one. The, you would think at a certain point that just out of sheer survival instinct, he would not say that stuff in a room that has like a hundred microphones. And do you think, I mean, you know, the next time I did, we talked to, uh, to Lisa Desjardins or somebody, we should just ask uh, the deal with that. Because as, as much as I am sort of fascinated by Richard Nixon, and I really am, he's just, I mean, for just such a thoroughly awful and evil person. And, he really, and there's just no getting around the fact that he was completely just without merit as a human being. I mean, he was just... Just an exercise in bad uh, and, and just corruption and vileness. He was just the incurably dark and violent side of the American character, as Hunter Thompson would say. He's just he's an interesting guy because, as we were saying earlier, you just you keep thinking you're going to see some shred of human dignity, but no, it's it's not there. You'd be lying to yourself. But you got to wonder if he just forgot that he was being taped all the time. I mean, you couldn't because it wouldn't make any sense, right? Like, why would you ever? Why would you ever say that in a room where you, everything was just being recorded for posterity, where you were saying, this is Nixon saying this now, where he is saying that, quote, that's the problem with Jewish friends is they might have a death wish. That seems like the sort of thing that you, uh, if you really feel that that's an idea that needs to be conveyed to, you know, Billy Graham, a man of God, you use your indoor voice and you do it while standing out back uh, near some running water or something. By the dumpster while smoking. Yes. Uh, more of this conversation between Nixon and uh, Billy Graham. It was the only way to, as we, to pick the boil, you know. We had to get these people to come to terms, and that did it. Uh, my son, who's in college, 21 years of age, and uh, he was telling me, he said, there's a whole new respect for you on the campuses. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Kids love Nixon. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that terrific? Uh, there's a whole new respect for you. So let's talk about this uh, motion picture for a moment, because we're going to be talking about it all morning anyway. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. So they segmented their demographics into four discrete categories. One, young teenage boys who will play the Transformers toys or keeping keep them under the bed. Two, older teenage boys who identify with doofus Shia LaBeouf. Three, somewhat older teenage boys who like to play with the professional hottie Megan Fox. Four, boys of all ages who think it would be cool to go to war and run around the desert shooting guns, holding Megan Fox's are you, hand. Are you making this up? No. Where, from where is wow. this information coming? The New York Times, the newspaper of record. But I mean... They're old enough to want to play with Megan Fox? Oh. Yes. <laughs> you mean like Canasta? I don't know. The When the New York Times, with the old gray lady, uh, is, is public... I mean, is this their assessment yes. of that? This it, is it is their official review. But I mean this is so this isn't like I'm this isn't like a like a uh, like a playbook that um that Michael Bay had in his hand as he was making the film, right? No. Okay. This is written by Manola Darkus who right. who's very well regarded. Can you go through these can you go through this one more time? These yes, are the four demographics that the New York Times believes Transformers 2 uh is uh, targeted at. Young teenage boys who will still play with Transformer toys or keeping um Keep them under the bed. All right. Is that still keep the them case? Under the bed? Seriously. And do teenage boys play with Transformers at this point? I don't know. Not I that I have anything wrong with that. I have no issue with Transformers. I'm I just never saying. played with toys as a child. I, yeah, I, I don't know. And see, and I never had any blah, blah, blah. I never had any Transformers. My parents didn't love me, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I think that they may be misreading that. I'm not sure that that's a thing that still happens. But maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe that's like if you have... I don't know if you got like geek, like you got like Aaron Duran style parents or something that, uh, you know, that they kind of, I don't know. One of my first toys I remember was a Transformer. Yeah, see, but even, I don't know, but you're, I mean, you're not a teenager though. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, there's a good like 15 years between you and being a teenage boy of that, of that demographic. I I definitely don't want to play with Megan Fox. So if you have some, if you have some like 14 year old kid and your parents are force feeding their Gen X taste onto you, I suppose. All right. What's the second one? 
Older teenage boys who identify with the professional doofus Shia LaBeouf. Who identifies with a doofus? I'm going to go because I'm I'm just like the retard uh, that has difficulty doing anything Well, no, properly. I mean, look, he's an idiot, yet he gets to, you know, bang Megan Fox. I suppose that's true. So in that way, he it is... He doesn't in the movie, though. It isn't, well, no. It's, is it implied that they've uh, had relations? I implied. He, he only starts to... Uh, to well, it, it's not his idea. This uh, woman uh, hoists herself upon him. She is one of the Transformers. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, uh, one of the early... Really? I can't tell you how much I don't care. I just really... I don't want to ruin it for other people who might. You know, uh, it, let me ask you this. At some point, keep in mind, I have not seen uh, Transformers Someday 2. Someday you will see Transformers 2. See, and the thing is... Can I just be honest? When there's nothing else left to rent. That's... When you're left alone, <laughs> you've finished off all the snacks. You have no money to go to Safeway to even buy the Inquirer. You will have a dollar to go to the Red Box. And what will you rent? Transformers 2. See? So someday when I'm in the fallout shelter after the end of humanity and I've watched everything else you've to death. Your glasses. I've... <laughs> Why, Helen? Why did you leave me Transformers too? Uh, and I've watched, uh, I've watched my uh, my commemorative uh, videotape of the bicentennial uh, to the point that it no longer works properly. So, is it at some point in Transformers two? We should do a checklist later uh, of things that are in the film, as guessed by people who have not seen the film. Is there a sequence where, through a series of wacky happenstance-oriented uh, situations, Shia LaBeouf? appears to be getting it on with some other hot woman, and yeah. Megan Fox is angry. Yes, she walks in just at that time. Of course. And he goes, no, 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 there's nothing, there's nothing going on. We were just, uh, I was just helping her change her motor oil. And then he sort of stammers himself to an end, uh, and then Megan Fox walks out, and she's all uh, angry-like and whatnot. But then she comes back when she realizes that she was wrong. It wasn't his idea. Is there a sequence where they... I'm giving away this entire scene. Yeah, I'm giving... Keep in mind, I'm giving away without having seen it, by the way. So draw your own conclusions there. Is there but, a... but that's giving away nothing because this movie lasts forever. Is there it's a sequence where they, where they comedically bicker uh, while danger is lurking all around them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inside course. the Camaro. <laughs> is it true that this movie is... I'm just reading this now from the... Is it true that this movie is two and a half hours long? I'm sorry, yes. two hours and 29 minutes long. If, if not longer. Would you like to know the first line of Roger Ebert's review? Sure. Yes. This is Roger Ebert saying this. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen is a horrible experience of unbearable length. Well, that's nitpicking, isn't it? Uh, what's the third demographic? Somewhat older teenage boys who would like to play with professional hottie Megan Fox. Uh, the phrase is really off-putting in a lot of ways. What's... I play with her, it's kind of gross. Seriously. Like what's jacks. <laughs> I want to taste your earwax. What is the uh, what's the, uh, the the fourth one? Boys of all ages who think it would be cool to go to war and run around the desert shooting guns. I think there are fewer of those hands, than there might have been a few hands years back. With, with Megan Fox, hold, and she continues so to be spotless, running through the desert. Yes, I want to hold hands with Megan Fox. Yes, that's what that's what boys are imagining. All right, well there you go. So that uh, that opens today, kids. And I think one of the best sentences here. If if you've seen the movie, you know about this not so subtle product placement. There's a serious disconnect in the movie between the image of power that those GM brands are meant to convey and the bankrupt car industry they now signify. Well, you said that it's just the whole thing is one huge ad for General Motors. All Chevrolet concept cars. I remember... Including um, those wimpy little ones that look like shoes, painted green, that are supposed to be cool. They wouldn't be cool to anyone. Now, do you uh, you share Don's assessment that the movie has uh, what might be considered some... um, off-putting uh, uh, robots that uh, robots that, uh, that might be viewed as uh, as oh, offensive. Oh, the ones with the large church bells ringing. Uh, the large, yes, yeah. That they are uh, off-putting, um, off-putting robots that speak in a uh, 
speak in a manner that uh, might be considered unsettling to those with unpleasant memories of Jar Jar Binks? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, but you can't tell their color. Well, that's this. Well, wasn't there? What movie am I thinking of? Was it? It might have been. It might have been the first Transformers, which I've seen now twice, by the way. And I'm. Not, I don't say that with any amount of pride. I saw it in the theater. And I remember in the theater, there's the moment where the Transformers whizzing on John Turturro. I mean, it's literally. Did you ever see Transformers? No, never. I never have the desire to. Look, I'm, I'm not trying to be out of touch with my own culture or whatever. I'm just sitting and, and you know, and just, uh, you know, watching the movie, trying to enjoy it, trying to, just like I tried to enjoy Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and failed. But I remember watching as John Turturro, who was one of the finest actors of our time. I mean, really just a, I mean, an actor on par with, I mean, he, you know, he's on par with Ed Norton. He's on par with Johnny Depp. Um, and as a robot urinates on John Turturro, I remember thinking to myself, this isn't going to get any better. And I've got another hour and 45 minutes to go. That there's nowhere. This, that and here's the other here's the other moment in Transformers. Was it like when I, peeing gasoline or something? It was like, you know, lubricant or something. Oh, and like oh, that oh, makes it any less creepy. You know, hey, I'm going to put lubricant all over John <laughs> Turturro. John Turturro. Yeah, seriously. Watch me go lube up Academy Award nominated actor John Turturro. Oh, yeah. It was just all so bizarre. Here's here's the, the other moment when I got off the Transformers uh, train. In the first Transformers movie, there's this whole, quote, hilarious, end quote, sequence where Shia LaBeouf is trying to hide the Transformers outside his house late at night. And oh, they're trying no. to skulking around like an outside. Iron Giant kind of thing? Exactly, but not, not good. Um, without any sort of actual charm or demonstrable uh, ability in depicting that. And there's the mom and the dad, and the dad looks just like former uh, account executive Alan Gabrowski, which I found very off-putting. But at some point, I, I, the government shows up to try to to try to kidnap the robots or something, and so the mom goes out to try to stop them, you know, and she's sort of the shrill sitcom mom who is yelling at all the guys because that's what she does. And at one point, she looks over at the guy who is busy tearing up her garden trying to get the robot, and she says, You there, mister, get your hands off my bush. Oh, my God. And everyone in the theater chuckles. That's to make all the kids laugh. That's right, Tim. Those boys who want to play with Megan Fox and hold her hand in the desert while shooting people. Or hide their toys under their beds. Exactly. This is the Rick Emerson Show coming up next hour. On that note, we'll talk to a... On that note, we'll talk to a guy named Adam who actually went to London to see this. So we'll get his thoughts on it. And, uh, and he went to see the premiere of it in London, courtesy of KUFO. That is Straight Ahead. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. There's too many things going on. What are you guys looking at? Well, Sarah, it's hard to explain. As Julianne Moore uh, says in Boogie Nights, too many things, too many things, too many things, too many things. It is the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. You are listening to Rock 101 KUFO. All right, here's a sampling of things, or a smattering, depending on which term you like better, that we haven't even gotten to today. Uh, we haven't talked about the 39th uh, thing yet. Uh, so I guess that was, was it last night that they had the, the meeting about the 39th and Cesar Chavez? Yes. Hundreds turned out. Uh, hundreds of really old white people, by the way. Just look. I mean, I know it is Portland and all, but I'm looking here at the um, the uh, the. Org- How do they ever find one? <laughs> I don't. We've got to find somebody to represent the white octogenarian community. Go beat the bushes, stat. So I'm uh, looking here, and there's all of these uh, yahoos. There's really no other way to put it, by the way. 
This is all of these rubes with a sign. Look, I don't think it's a good idea either, but I'm not wearing a sign around my neck that says Save 39th Avenue like it's Ferris Bueller or something. <laughs> Jesus, for the love of God. Um, anyway, so this is all of these geezers uh, up in the... Is this at City Hall? Where, the City Council Chambers? Yes. Is that, that is downtown City at City Hall? Yes, it uh, is. But that's a beautiful building, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's, I was, um, it's very nice. I was driving... Uh, did, by accident, I did that thing where I took a wrong turn and I ended up having to be... I was stuck downtown, which they keep claiming is finished. You know, they don't know we're done with all of our construction, but but they they might be done with construction. But they were doing some, I don't know, doing some jive yesterday where they were. I don't know, there was like a sewage backup or something. And then they've started to do this like weird Southern California thing where they're spraying for insects at night. Have you noticed that? Are they doing that in your neighborhood? Spraying for insects. Where they've got these huge trucks, these city trucks that are out and about at night, where they're like uh, they're spraying uh, neighborhoods and they're spraying. Um, no. Yeah, like side streets and whatever. It's like an, you, Maybe it, you have some kind of infestation in your neighborhood. Well, that's yes, but that's just you know, people. You have to spray them with bullets. Um, if uh, if you live in uh, uh, Southern California, and I guess they st- probably still do this now, right? Do they still spray for med flies? Yes, I believe so. Is that a thing so of often. the past? But they would, yeah, there would be uh, these these nights in Southern California would be told not to go outside. And to put your car in the garage because they would be spraying the entire place uh, with all of this, uh, you know, this is like, a, you know, like a, an insecticide or something because there were these flies they had to get rid of. Anyway, so there are all these jokes about how you couldn't go outside and if you left your car in the in the driveway, like it would eat the paint off your vehicle or whatever. But they've been doing that in Southeast lately, too. And somebody told me they did it downtown where there's just all these trucks parked and there's like a lot of it's just big, spooky, billowing clouds of smoke coming out. What was I talking about? Oh, anyway, so. um, 39th. I took a wrong turn and I ended up downtown, but I was looking at City Hall, which is a great building. And so that's where they were holding this meeting where there's just like the slack jaw patrol uh, in there agitating to save 39th. And saving 39th makes it sound. See, the problem with saying save 39th. They're just going to plow it down. Well, yeah, like they're going to get rid of it or that like it's some glorious, beautiful stretch of. Look, I, I live not too far from 39th. There's nothing beautiful about it. I mean, really, I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just call it like it is. There's nothing beautiful. Now, it's functional. It's useful. Doesn't mean it's beautiful. Typewriter's uh, functional. Doesn't mean it's a work of art. So, uh, anyway, so we'll talk more about that. Uh, This hour, we will talk to a guy named Adam, who is the winner of the Transformers 2 Flyaway. Uh, So, he actually went to see the movie, but he saw the premiere of it in London. London. Well, that's the cool thing about it. And I guess there was... I don't think he was allowed to do photographs. I think they, I think they were kind of telling people like at the door, like you can't photograph stuff, which which sucks, because I think they had like the actual Bumblebee car there, and I think there was like an Optimus Prime uh, there. So, anyways, we'll get that story uh, later on today's show. We'll give away a pair of Timbers tickets. Uh, we've got uh, tickets to uh, Stain, Shine Down, Chevelle. That's all coming up. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on this Wednesday morning. All right, and there's a lot to talk about today. Citicorp plans to raise its executive salaries by 50% to avoid a mass exodus of all these valuable people. Sanjaya's were voted off by uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. A man is buried up to his neck in sand, and the president admits he's still smoking, kind of. Wait a minute. Uh, so uh, I got... so who's, who's left on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here? And who's buried up to their neck in sand? A I'm, man. Was, it wasn't Sanjaya. I'm so confused. No, no, it's all blending together not, in my head. It is not part of the show. <laughs> Sanjaya. Today we're, we're going to be burying Sanjaya up to his head in sand. And uh, then Leslie Nielsen is going to drown him. So, wait a minute. So there was just a whole flurry of, of activity that just happened in the room at the, at the utterance of the name Sanjaya. What do you know that I don't, Sarah Dillon? I believe that perhaps I scheduled the winner, whoever it is, uh, for I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, to we're going to speak with them tomorrow. 
I don't understand. Oh, it, it, so, so, it, so the show is tonight. It's going to end tonight. And whoever it's down to, there are two people. Whoever the winner is tomorrow, we're going to be speaking with them. Wait, the winner or whoever got voted off? Whoever wins. Wait a minute. Okay, so there were how many people were on the show? There was three? No, there were like 12. There were 12? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, as of last night or three, whatever. Yeah, there so, were okay. three. So it was Senjai and two other people. Who were the other two people? I don't know. Sarah, who are the other two people I, on I'm a Celebrity Game? I believe it's a Baldwin and... Just um, a, a random Baldwin. The dude from La Bamba. Oh, Lou Diamond, Lou Diamond Phillips. Phillips. <laughs> yeah. The dude from La Bamba. <laughs> I prefer to think of him as the guy from Bats. <laughs> so tomorrow you're, we're going to be speaking with a Baldwin or Lou Diamond Phillips. That is Phillips. awesome. So it doesn't yeah. work. So it's not like we were going to be speaking with the loser, so I don't have to speak with Sanjaya. I what was am I like sitting with my fingers crossed praying that Sanjaya got kicked off because it's like, okay, he's a celebrity, but... Which Baldwin is it? Steven. Um, is it Steven? A pl- no, so. no, I couldn't be that lucky. Someone text us if you know which Baldwin it is. Yes. It's a 520 And if it is a Baldwin, I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, it's a Baldwin and... Well, well, there are plenty of them. We'll have somebody text it. If you know which Baldwin is on I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. It's 520 See, but I See, but here's why it can't be Stephen, because the God doesn't like me that much. God apparently only likes Stephen Baldwin. God used up all his love on Stephen. Uh, yeah, let us know who that is. So, I, so it'll either be him or Lou Diamond. What am I going to ask Lou Diamond Phillips? I don't know. Bunch of- what am I going to ask a Baldwin? Really, what would I have asked Sanjaya? Who, ask who would you rather talk to, a Baldwin or Lou Diamond Phillips? Am I given my choice of Baldwins? Uh-huh. What are my What are my choices for Baldwin? <laughs> what never are my choices? No, for never, no, 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 never mind. Don't worry about it. Uh, the, well, the, there are there, <laughs> Alex, Stephen, Dave. If, you have to take Alec out of the equation uh, because Alec, everybody would just want to talk to him because he's the only one who's done anything. So, if I was given my choice of, am I given my choice of any Baldwin who is not Alec? And we're talking about the Baldwin brothers, right? That I couldn't use Adam Baldwin from Firefly. So mm. I would have to choose either Daniel, Stephen, or Billy Baldwin. Yes? Yes. If I'm given uh, the choice between Lou Diamond Phillips and and one of those three lesser Baldwins. <laughs> lesser Baldwins? How sad is your life? Which is, I mean. It's like, I'm a lesser Baldwin. Well, which, I mean, we all, which we all know it's to be true. true. Billy, I mean, was, they, Billy was a bigger Baldwin, like, in the 90s. What do you Billy suppose? Uh, Billy, the bigger Baldwin. What do you suppose that the, the, the dinner is like at their house? Like, when they have. Um, oh, you know, it's a lot of yelling. When there's a Christmas, you know, pass me the, pass me the ham. You shut up! <laughs> I just need some cranberry sauce. I could have been famous, too! Uh, oh, somebody. Okay, we've got here George Baldwin says this uh, text. Next one, it's the fat one. This one says, this one says Stephen Baldwin is the one left. Followed by Stephen left the show a couple episodes ago. So Daniel's like the drug-addled one, right? I mean, allegedly. It, yeah, he's the drug-addled one. Yes, he's the singular Baldwin <laughs> Wait, brother. So Stephen's the Bible thumper, and Daniel is like the the crazy droopy-eyed one, right? Uh, Daniel is the fat one. He looks like he. Daniel looks like Jim Belushi. How is it that all of these people are texting in? They presumably watch the show and they don't know. No offense. It says George Baldwin. Two-hour live finale tonight. Does it say which Baldwin it is? This one says, okay, wait, a text here says. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Eliminate, eliminate. This says, I believe Stephen Baldwin voluntarily left. It is John Sally. And La Bamba. It is La Bamba, Tori Wilson, and John Saley. John Saley. Who's John Saley? Oh, crap. I'm sorry. John Sa- Greg, is that wrong? Greg says that's totally wrong. John Saley is a 15-year NBA veteran who was the first <laughs> NBA player to win four championships with three different teams and included the Detroit Pistons, this the is Chicago so great. Bills, and L.A. Lakers. Greg is just charging into the studio now because we're mangling some sports. Uh, I, I must correct here. Okay. All right. It's Please John up. Sally. Sally. Who's John, John Sally? NBA. All right. So he's yes. a basketball player. So Rick might yes. be talking to Many some years. Oh, please. Basketball. That's awesome. That really should have been the mystery guest. Oh, that would be amazing. If he'd been kicked off, you should have just bumped mystery guest to tomorrow. Uh, who did he play for? 
Uh, he played for the Pistons. He played for a bunch of different teams. Actually. Oh, he looks familiar. All I know about the Pistons is that what's his name? Bill Lambeer played for the Pistons, and he was a sleaze stack in Land of the Lost. That's it. That's the only reason I know anything about <laughs> really? the Pistons. Really? He was? Yeah. He was <laughs> a sleaze stack. That. That's yeah. awesome. That's it. This says La Bamba, John Sally, and Torrance the Wrestler Woman. And Torrance is spelled T O O R R E N T S. Yeah, that's the blonde chick. All Torrance. Right. So there are three of them. So yes, three. Let's just call him. Let's just call him La Bamba. If Lou Diamond Phillips was, <laughs> hey you, uh, La Bamba. He was in Young Guns too. And Young Guns too. Young Guns. See what also. I did there? <laughs> no. I, yeah, I understand. I. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Straight oh, please ahead. Please be the basketball player. We'll talk to, uh, straight ahead, we'll talk to Adam Bush, who is the winner of the KUFO sent to see Transformers 2 in London. Uh, later on, more news from Tim Riley. Coming up next hour, mystery guest. And at 8 o'clock, Jim Roop uh, to talk about Chris Brown and the death of Ed McMahon. Live from downtown Portland, it's Wednesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson Show returns. And I cannot tell you how many times somebody will be walking by a nickel. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Wait, so today is Wednesday. So does that mean tomorrow? Well, I'm so confused. So if today is Wednesday, tomorrow is Thursday. So is tomorrow I'm a celebrity? You're speaking to La Bamba. Wait, do we know that that's the case? No, I mean, we don't know. So the whoever wins is winning tonight. Now you're getting very excited. Wait, do they do multiple? Yes, I am, Tim. I'm trying not to get my hopes up. Do they do multiple episodes of that show in a week? Is it like American Idol where they do two, two nights so. in a row? Tim? I've seen it a couple times. It's a train wreck amazing show. So this is, okay, so it must be. That I've must, never seen the program. You know, Laura watches it, and so I so I get exposed to it to some degree, sort of like I did with, uh, with Celebrity Apprentice. But because she watches everything on the TV, because she has like the weirdest work schedule, like I, I, I have no idea when that show is on or how many times a week. Because like Oprah or Susie Orman, it just always seems to be on, mm. uh, which is probably a combination of it actually being on all the time, especially in the case of Susie Orman. And also the fact that large, she'll just let them stack up and then she'll just sort of she'll just uh, power uh, watch them. You know what I mean? She'll just let them pile up like I'll do with Anthony Bourdain. Well, I'll just get like. Five episodes of that show, and then I'll just, uh, you know, and I'll just plow through the whole thing, or like with Mythbusters, or, uh, you know, or Ace of Cakes. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, Ace of Cakes. Ace of Cakes is the dumbest show. It's, it sounds it's dumb, dumb. But I find myself, uh, I, I have found myself watching like two, three, four episodes of that. In my own defense, not sitting on the couch. But, like, while I'm just doing crap around the house, like, I'll just be, uh, you know, like, I, like last night I was, it was an ace of cakes last night, but I was, uh, last night I was hooking up, I got a new, uh, I got a new uh, wireless printer for my wireless network at home. So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to get my wireless network uh, going, which is, which is actually relatively easy because I was doing it for the Mac and not for the PC, so I didn't have to do that. Like, please download nine DLL files, you know, and then you will need to discover the Windat 576 folder. Then you will need to execute. Oh, I'm sorry. It looks like there's a mistake. Please reboot your computer. Blue screen! You know, and that didn't happen. So it was just a little bit of time that it took. But I do that thing where I'll just turn on the TiVo and whatever's there, I'll just, uh, like, I think it was Man versus Wild. And I'll just uh, stack up a whole, uh, you know, like like five of them and just have them roll in the background. Anyway, the point is, 
tonight is the final elimination between whoever the Baldwin is that's left and La Bamba. Now, is it, do we know it's a Baldwin? I think it's a Baldwin. Well, it was no. a, it was a but there, there's no Baldwin left. Damn you! I just I uh, thought we just covered that. No, but, but we covered it. But we covered it the way we cover things, which means that there was never any. All right, never mind. Never mind. We're stopping. We're stopping now. <laughs> Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson show, uh, Adam. Adam, you are a uh, proud KUFO listener, and you went to see Transformers Two: uh, Revenge of the Fallen in London. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm um, great, thanks. Um, so, all right. So, first things first. So, uh, you won the trip. You go to see uh, Transformers Two in London. So it was. It was kind of a. I mean, it was a kind of a crunch turnaround time, right? I mean, you you got on a plane, you went there, uh, you saw the movie, and I'm I'm imagining you stayed. It was a night. How many? How much time were you there for? We actually got about three full days. Uh, we flew in Sunday morning, got in at 10:50 their time, and we pretty much hit the ground running that day and saw all, all we could see, and then. The premiere was the next night, not until 6 o'clock, so we had all of Monday, and then they gave us all of Tuesday as a free day. So we just saw as much of London as we possibly could. Awesome. Have you been to London so before? Cool. Nope. I've never been across the pond, as they say. Did you go to St. Paul's Cathedral? Uh, no, we missed that one. Why do we, why do we immediately make him feel like he ruined <laughs> sorry, the trip? Did you no. go to Churchill's Bunker? You've wasted your whole trip. I'm sorry, Adam. The you, London Eye? you completely failed. Um, what did you What did you see, or did you, or was it just did you just kind of wander around and just kind of uh, just kind of soak in the sights? Yeah, we walked around a lot. We saw, you know, Big Ben and the, you know, the House of Parliament, right. the Westminster Abbey, Buckingham Palace. Did you go to that? Uh, what is it? The that that uh, thing from V for Vendetta, the Old Bailey or whatever? There's that. I've never I've never seen that movie. Sorry. Oh, dude, you oh. got to see V for Vendetta. And I here's know, my a, brother was telling me that last night. Tim is totally shaking his head like he's just you you, disappointed. You, Tim, right? Tim is washing his hands of you right now. Tim is like, I just don't know. Um, well, cool. Well, I'm glad you got to see it. And um, d- here's a, a, a dumb question, but it, it, and you can be honest here. What I don't know what you ate while you were there, or if you just went to like regular restaurants, if you went to like little shops. What did you? What kind of food did you have while you were in London? Well, we had to have fish and chips, of course. Of course, we had that a couple times. And then everyone, everyone I work with, you know, a lot of them have been over there, and they're like, you know, don't eat the British food. Go to, go have Chinese or go have Indian food. Nice. So we had some Indian food, and we ate a lot of Italian. Excellent. Yeah, no, they're right when they say don't eat the British food. Some of it's good, <laughs> but in my experience, it, it was just, I mean, and I was just kind of picking things randomly. Like, we would pass some little place and be like, let's go in there. And well, as long as you eat breakfast three times a day, you're fine. Well, that was see, that was my thing. Whenever I would just punt and I would just get something, uh, you know, like off the lunch uh, menu, just uh, give me that thing I've never heard of before. And it was always such a bad. I had this thing called a like, it was like a plowman's lunch or something. It's some, oh, yeah. but it was at some place where the, the appeal was, and this is actually kind of cool that like it was some restaurant that had been there since like fifteen oh five or whatever, and so the. You know, the ambiance was great, but then I was putting the food into my body, and it was sort of like some of a, it was sort of like certain fast food restaurants where even as you're eating it, your body's going, no, 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 please stop. Oh, for the love of. All right, so you go to the actual premiere, and I know that there was, they ended up being real uh, strict about security and cameras and stuff, but what, what was it like when you got to the Transformers 2 premiere? What did you see there? Uh, a lot of people, there was a lot of people with barricades up, and they heard you, heard you through this uh, tent, and they say, you know, no cameras, no phones, and so we had to give that up, and. Then you walk down the red, it was actually a blue carpet, and you walk in front of all the people, and there's a big, uh, they got a big replica of the Bumblebee awesome. uh, robot, and uh, we were hoping to get a picture in front of it, but eh, it's okay. And then they pretty much shuffle you right into your seat, and you pretty much sit there and you watch the screen, which is live outside, and then all the celebrities come, and then they do all their deals outside, sign autographs, do the pictures, and then they heard him inside, and they bring him up on stage, introduce him, and then they leave, and they started the movie. So and so, who didn't really get too close to him? But they were they were pretty much all there. Shia LaBeouf was there, Megan Fox, Josh Duhamel, Tyrese Gibson, Michael Bay was there, 
John Turturro was there. So cool. And the other two guys, I think it's Matt Marsden and the uh, Rodriguez guy. Uh, you know, and, here's the, and you are now, you've officially now been in a room with uh, more famous people, like all at one time, than all of us here on the show, I think, put together over our entire lives. So well done yeah. on that. You're officially the, you know, the couldn't, coolest I couldn't guy. Stop, uh, what, I couldn't stop looking at Megan Fox's thumbs, though. <laughs> Her thumbs? Yeah, you know, you guys are making me, you know, all the media's making fun of her weird thumbs. Are they? Are they? Sarah? No. I'm trying, what's, to be, I'm trying to be funny. What's wrong with her thumbs? Are we, wait a minute, hold on. Are you, uh, is the media, is the media actually, is there some ridicule that I'm missing out on? Because if there's something to uh, to poke fun at, if there's some physical deficiency that I can ridicule, I want to be able to do that. Oh, yeah, the whole last week, they, you know, they've been showing pictures of her, and then the picture zooms in zooms in on her thumbs. Oh, man, I got to, okay, you know, hold on. Ooh, she has toe thumbs. Here's what 99.9% of people think, especially guys. Megan Fox, thumbs. She's got two of them. Perfect. We're moving on. That's exactly the thing. I mean, they're fine. They just look like big toes. Hold on. Megan Fox, (laughs) thumbs. No, look, here's the thing is, as long as she's got thumbs, and here's the reason I say that. I knew a guy, uh, I won't give his last name. He was a DJ in Salt Lake, a guy named Sean. And he didn't have any thumbs. Uh, It was like a birth defect. And it's just, uh, you know, everything else about him was normal. No other issues. No thumbs. And I know that, you know, you think, okay, well, look, you can't be a tool wielder now. You can't advance to the next level on the evolutionary scale. Here's the other thing with somebody who has no thumbs. Do you ever shake hands with somebody uh, that has no thumbs? Your hand just slides all the way up to their elbow. I mean, he's just like, hey, Rick. I'm like, hey, Sean. Hand goes all the way up. All right, I'm looking at her thumbs right now, and Sarah's right. She's got toes for thumbs. That's that's almost like a weird – that's like somebody that something got switched around in the emergency room or whatever. All right. Um so I she was, it was a slow week for the paparazzi or something. What I mean, in person, I mean, to whatever extent you were able to kind of uh, see her is, I mean, we kind of give her a hard time for being, I don't know. It, it's not that she's not attractive. It's that she's sort of there's something weird looking about her in a way that we can't quite put our finger on. But was it that way in person, or did she look better in person than you thought, or worse, or, or what? Well, from from what I could see, you know, I was in row V, so you know, do the alphabet thing. What that twenty one rows back and. Yeah, you know, she looked fine from 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 where I was sitting. Excellent. And uh, what was your take on the on the actual film on Transformers Two? I loved it. So you thought it was good? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of it. You know, it's kind of like back to my childhood. You know, when I was seven years old, the the animated movie came out back in the '80s, and uh, when these came out, I just love it. I love the action films. I love Michael Bay. And, I was kind of worried this morning. I was listening to you guys on the way to work, and you guys are just trashing it. And I'm like, man, I'm going to get on there and tell them I love it. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's got, you know, the intelligence of whatever. <laughs> Dude, you're talking, look, you're talking to a guy. I went out and I bought, have you ever seen a movie called Joe's Apartment? Uh, yes. Okay, Joe's Apartment was singing, dancing, cockroaches, and uh, what's yeah. his name, Jerry O'Connell uh, uh, from Stand By Me. I bought that on DVD the day it came out. I went to the store as soon as it opened at like 9.01. I went to Target or whatever, and I was like, I need Joe's apartment on DVD. Give it to me now. So I, I'm no one. It's a big world with lots of movie taste. Um, I will say this, uh, that Tim has seen it, and Tim had his uh, has his thoughts on it. Uh, Sarah and I uh, have not seen it yet. So I'm, I watch uh, Labyrinth once a week, too. That's, that's the thing. Everyone has their things. I will tell you this, though. Here's the, Whatever anybody thinks about Transformers or Transformers 2, Michael Bay permanently won me over when he did that. What was it? The American Express or Visa or whatever, that ad where he's just blowing everything up in the commercial. Yeah. And he's just like, look at my swimming pool. And it explodes. That guy won me over when he uh, when he did that. Is it true that at one point in Transformers 2 um, that there is a, like an old guy robot who actually says something like, I'm too old for this crap? 
Um, yeah, yeah, All right. Right, there is. That's pretty fantastic. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, I'm glad you got a, a good trip, man. I'm glad you got to go to London. Adam, uh, thank you for listening. And um, and I, I really, uh, no fooling, I am very impressed that I mean, you were in the room with all of those folks. Because I figured that some of them would be there, but I think we were unclear if they would have the entire, you know, the, the cast, the crew, and all of that there. So we're glad you had a good time, my friend. Thank you for listening. You bet. Thank all you right, guys. there you go. That is Adam Bush, who went to see uh, Transformers 2 Revenge of the Fallen uh, in London and uh, so forth. Greg, can you uh, uh, pick up the phone there and make sure that we've... Uh, Everything is uh, is fine and dandy with him. Cool. Well, I'm glad he had a good time. Well, see I'm now so I'm jealous. See now I feel like I got to go see it because I have all this contempt prior to investigation. Or um, go back to London. Or just go back to London. Yeah, boy, they made, they tried to feed me this thing that was just a bunch of mashed up beets. Oh, that was oh, just I, a mistake. I loved food in London. I liked the food in London that I did that did not seem fundamentally English to me. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I had a lot of Indian food there, and that was really good. I ate a lot of pizza there, and that was some of the best pizza I've ever had. In my See, life. that's the exact the thing the stuff that was like originally from some other country. That was good. All the things that you would think of at London, a mutton dinner plate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have an ox stomach, please, in a bag. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley coming up next hour. Mystery guest uh, at 8 o'clock. Jim Roop will join us from Signa Radio Los Angeles to talk about Chris Brown as well as uh, to reflect on the life and legacy of Mr. Ed McMahon. And we'll bitch more about the uh, attempt to uh, rename 39th. Live from Portland, Oregon, it's Wednesday morning. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. Rick Emerson Show continues next. Ladies and gentlemen, you and your groin, you, you keep listening. On Rock 101. Are we entering some sort of an Al Roker golden age that I wasn't previously aware of? I mean, we've got this business of him uh, slapping Heidi and Spencer around, which was awesome. And then apparently he was here. I'm looking here yesterday. And oh, and we missed him? How did we not know that Al Roker was going to be here? Nobody yes, tells people us didn't anything. get in touch with us. Well, you know, we're in the book, Tim. He should know. He should know to contact us. You understand? It's his loss. <laughs> That's right. It's like going to see Saul Seiler. It's one of those things you're supposed to do when you come to Portland. Uh, you know, I am uh, Oregon's Entertainer of the Year for the fourth year in a row. When is the next election, by the, way. Uh, the election. I will be running unopposed, Tim. Um, uh, Jake Cohen, writing for the Oregonian, says, Despite the pre-dawn darkness, Al Roker cast an appreciative glance around North Portland's McCoy Park and said, quote, A park is a beautiful place. Oh. So there you go. Or is that a linger long after he's gone? I, so is he... He was just here to to give uh, to give us four hundred grand for a park. Yes, excellent, good for him. All right, where you go? Is that Roker? Put, is there some project in the works that I'm not aware of? Is there something like he's he got something in the pipeline that he needs to be pushing? Is that why he's doing all this Maybe stuff? Maybe he's starring this new Facebook movie that's coming out. Uh, do you have news? Of, well, let's do this, ladies and gentlemen. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Hello again, 644. It's going to be mostly sunny today, highs near 80. Homeless people can continue to loiter downtown after a judge declares the anti-no-sit, no-lie ordinance unconstitutional. Now, for the past two years, the cops are able to tell the homeless to get up and move. Well, now the city commissioners will have to rewrite the law or scrap it. Wait a minute. Let's stop for a second. I don't understand anything that's going on here because... Did you not just say, I, as though you're the one who passed the law, Tim Riley, is it not true? Uh, have you no shame, sir? I'd gladly run for public office to make drastic changes uh, the way you, things are Oh, done. you and me both. The first thing we're going to have to do is imprison some dissidents mm-hmm. and then liquidate them. Um, so is it not true, though, that like 10 days ago, two weeks ago, you had some story where the city is going to be, the city is going to charge restaurants if they want to have tables outside yeah. on a sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So you're going to have to actually pay. So if the property belongs to you, if you own property there, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to pay to put chairs and tables out front on your own property. On the sidewalk. On the sidewalk. Yeah, but but, okay. But I I mean, I know that the sidewalk belongs to the city, but I guess what I'm saying is the sidewalk in front of a restaurant is, I mean, it is, I would say, the de facto rented property of the business, yeah. as long as the tables and chairs aren't blocking it, because their, their deal wasn't it, that it, it was in the way. foot traffic for any establishment. That's right. And 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 the city wasn't saying the tables, I'm getting all angry about it, that I don't own a restaurant and I'm not homeless as of now, but so the city wasn't saying it was because the tables were blocking the way, they were just saying that it's, I don't, I don't know, because it's the sidewalks and you can't just use them without everybody's consent, so you got to pay. And, and I would but never sit outside anyway. So if you're a restaurant, you have to pay. But if you're homeless, you can just be stretched out there for a good lie down, and nobody can do anything about it. That's correct. Yeah, all right. But, sure. but you couldn't with this anti-sit-and-lie ordinance. Which is now well, unconstitutional. That's correct. Well, maybe the restaurant should just say that the tables are for the homeless. Except then you have the homeless sitting there. Ah, uh, you know, the homeless ruin everything. They just do. They louse everything up. The, I was thinking about this. Here's something I did this weekend uh, that was lame and great. So I don't know what you all did on your Saturday, but uh, for my Saturday, I, I went to gardening uh, gardening all day. I thought you had people for that. I and do. Pepe and Luis or whatever. They, what are they? What well, are their names? Pedro? Yes, Pedro. Pedro. And there was another one. There was another one. Who's the other gardener? Raphael. Pedro? Raphael. <laughs> well, they, so, they don't trim the rose bushes as much as I'd like them to do. But I, I don't see them enough to ask so them. So as a result, there'll be no trimming of anything except your pay. Um... So you were gardening. Have you taken the rose bushes under? You you just decided just to tackle those yourself. Well, what happened was during the last storm, it pushed the rose bush forward. So I had to rope the rose bush back and return it to its normal place. The rose bush is like two stories high. <laughs> what kind of a wow? Anything in my yard like grows like crazy, and it needs to be trimmed like every week. What do you? Where do you live? Are you set up next to the Mad Hatter's table or something? I, I don't do- know. The rose bush just grew. I had trimmed it down to be about a foot high in a planter. I have a planter that's about a brick planter that's about three or four feet tall. So you trimmed it to. <laughs> so and now it grew it's two stories high when it was just, just about a foot? yes. Mm-hmm. Why didn't uh, Why didn't Pedro and uh, well, Raphael get a handle on that earlier on? It seems like letting it grow to two stories is. You can only trim rose bushes certain times during the year. These are all things I don't know. Yes. It, well, you have rose bushes in front of your residence. I take it. You know, yes. You're doing that thing again. That attorney thing of that always thing asking, I do? A, asking a question you know the answer to. Anyway, my point was going to be, you bastards. Um, then on Saturday, I went to it was like on 12th and Cooch or something. There was like a, it's like it was like I remember get like a healthy living expo or something. But it was like a it was like a street party block party thing where they blocked off a bunch of streets. And then it was like a, you know, it was like uh, like health food and whatever. And you know, my wife's kind of a health freak at this point. So, the, but it was like where you could go and you could get like samples of like non whatever food and well, food you're that is all healthy yourself. Food that's had all the joy sucked out of it. <laughs> but then there was a huge, there was a huge uh, like techno jazzer size expo happening in the center of the street, where there was a guy up on stage just doing the full on like we're working, we're lifting, and then like fifty people <laughs> well, all like doing Richard Simmons thing. Totally. Oh, and they were doing, they were playing the best thing, and by best I mean weirdest. I'm not. It was like a sequence of the Blues Brothers. There's like 50 people in the middle of the street, and again, it's blocked off. But there's 50 people there. Three instructors up on a flatbed truck right outside of that, like uh, Whole Foods or whatever, Zupans or whatever that thing is downtown, and they're playing like this rave house version of "Rockin' in the Free World" by Neil Young. So it's a whole lot of like, <laughs> and then the song is, you know, the song is "Keep on Rockin' in the Free World" with like this weird like female vocal. And then the instructor, who's like really into it in a sort of 
uh, you know, in a sort of um, who is that? What's that character from SNL? I always want to say it's uh, um, it's Will Ferrell, but it's not. It's um, uh, it's, uh, I'm spacing out of that. But he was just very, very exuberant about it. And he's who's rocking in Portland? You are lift. Oh God! It was so awesome. Um, but they had businesses, they had a bunch of, like, uh, uh, couches and chairs, like actual full Ottomans and hassocks and whatever, sitting out on the sidewalk, and I was telling Lara, that ought to be a thing that Portland does on the weekends, on the evenings, where you have, like, these great, like, comfortable couches, uh, you know, downtown, but then I thought immediately they would be taken over by the homeless, that's yes. the problem. You can't do that. Here. No, they swarm like, like roaches. How, they, how there were those free bicycles that people had to use, and then people right. started stealing them. Right. Here's Tim Riley. It's when you start thinking people are honest, they always let you down. Oh, see, I never think that. Just, uh, I skip that step. Uh, Wisconsin is going media crazy. It turns out a TV anchor woman in lacrosse uh, traced those harassing emails she was getting. They're coming from her co-anchor's house. Amy DuPont, so the morning creepy. anchor, says she's got more than 20 emails in the past two days from a mysterious Mario who wrote, he's sick of hearing about her child, and she was terrible at her job. Awesome. Her oh, co-anchor has since been let go. The calls are coming from inside the house. Rick, well, I'm going to start pretending I'm somebody named Mario Saint. Yeah. Please, please do. Please stalk me via email, won't you? How creepy is that? What kind of relationship do you have with your co-host? I don't know the answer. That's odd, though, that it was a lot of like, and you're fat and you shouldn't be on camera. <laughs> I keep getting these awful emails. I know, Peggy. It's just terrible. I can't imagine who would do that. And then meanwhile, it's just sort of, hold on, i got to send... something from his Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hold on. I've got to take a phone call for a second. You're a whore. <laughs> Uh, speaking right. of that, let's do this one. Yeah, one more, and then we'll do uh, more news here at the top. A woman has played no contest to prostitution charges, agreeing to be paid for her services with the case of Fritos by a man who was a Frito Lay employee. The uh, man told the woman he didn't have any money, but he was a big executive from Fritos, and he would exchange a big case of Frito Lay chips uh, worth thirty dollars. For a little uh, entertainment in the back of his car. So that was sort of a, uh, Sarah, do we have a morning show sound effect queued yes, up over there? Do. So that was sort of a, he brings the Fritos, she brings the lay. Yes. Yeah. This is a case of the Frito lay. Yeah. Comedy. I thought you were going to go with the, oh, he got a free lay. We'll, we'll do that again during no, the 8 that, o'clock hour. No, that wouldn't. It no. worked. It worked. <laughs> By the way, I just got a text message. You are fat and shouldn't be on the radio. Mario. <laughs> awesome. Best audience ever. All right. Coming up next hour, mystery guest uh, at 7.20. At 8 o'clock, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop will join us. And uh, don't call yet, but sometime within the next few minutes, we'll give away a pair of tickets to see the Portland Timbers. We're live from Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. Beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101 if you would like to engage with us telephonically today. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051 or you can email rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, coming up at about, uh, I don't know, 720? Coming up at, is, it, uh, is the mystery guest on? I've seen yes. you frantically typing things over there. Oh, yeah, we had somebody booked and then they bailed at the Andy last Dick minute. wasn't available? Andy Dick was not available. All right. So, um, Greg and I kind of have a list of You're people. actually out of breath. Have you been running somewhere? We were kind of running around a little bit. 
Well, it sucks having to do things She's last minute. She's been typing because... feverishly. Seriously. Well, we had it all planned and then uh, got an email this morning that the person was not able to come on today. It, it was the mystery guest. Here, let me just ask you this. No, As... I, I'm not going to tell you because I want to have this person on sometime. I'm not. No, no, no. They'll I'm not going to ask. be booked on Oprah with that kind of behavior. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not asking uh, for the identity of the mystery guest because I'm assuming that they all. I'm assuming anybody you book that doesn't show up or can't do it just gets recycled, you know, back into the pile. Yes. But um, y- you will. Uh, I would say you will forgive me, like I'm talking about you. Most of the mystery guests seem like people who might have a lot of free time on their hand. That's all. The, the only point I'm making. That's true. That's it, why it's extra insulting. It's like, really? Really? Uh, You're not going to come on our Seriously, show? so it's like a guy who's discovered like 50 more things you can do with a Chia Pet, and like he just can't clear out seven minutes, uh, you know, for us. All right, so coming up at 720. Honest, he had an appointment that he forgot that he had this uh, morning. Really? Is that what he told you? I'm sorry. I uh, went to your webpage and looked at the radio station. <laughs> and uh, No, I'm not going to be able to come on. No, it's a root canal. So coming up at 720, mystery guest. Uh, will I get uh, just their name and nothing else in about 10 seconds to prepare for them? And we'll give the reveal um, before the break. All right, so, so the audience will find out who it is. I'll get uh, their name about 10 seconds beforehand, and then i got to do a credible uh, three-minute interview. Uh, we are going to take this opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, to give away a, a pair of tickets uh, for you to see the Portland Timbers uh, when they are playing on uh, July 2nd. I say realizing I don't have the actual giveaway sheet in front of me. Hold on a second. Wait, I want to make sure I They're get the playing date against right. Munich. Hold on. Wait, it's going on. to be awesome. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's here somewhere. Wait, it's a Thursday, All right, there which go. makes it a thirsty Thursday. It is a pair of tickets to the Portland Timbers on Thursday, July 2nd against Munich. Uh, plus, you'll be entered to win the grand prize of sitting on the bench with Sarah and the team. Uh, for the game, that is a pair of tickets. Uh, to see the Portland Timbers on Thursday, July 2nd. And you'll also be entered in the grand prize as well. So that is a 503-228-4101. If you're caller 10, uh, you will win that right now. 503-228-4101. Caller 10 will win a pair of tickets to the Portland Timbers versus Munich on Thursday, July 2nd, as well as entry uh, into the drawing for the grand prize. Uh, coming up later on, uh, we have a pair of reserved seats for Stain, Shinedown, Chevelle, and Hailstorm. Uh, that's coming up uh, August 10th, part of KUFO's Summer of Rock. That is all on the way. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It's 7.04. Could be up to 80 degrees today with sunny skies. State health officials say a young child in Marion County has died of the swine flu. This after having it for two days. There have been 219 cases of the swine flu confirmed in Oregon since the beginning of the outbreak. The state has had two deaths. Three people are in police custody after a Tuesday drug task force raid. This happened in uh, outside of Hillsboro. They arrested 19-year-old Jonathan Hess and 46-year-old Jennifer Hess around 4 o'clock in the morning in North Plains. And at one point, he pointed an AK-47 rifle out the window. They found $1,300 worth of heroin, $5,000 in cash. Members of the Washington County Tactical Negotiations team found more heroin and arrested 49-year-old Richard Mack at his home at Northwest 313th in Hillsboro. Nobody was hurt. This South Carolina governor is some bizarre cat. First, he tells his family after disappearing for days that he was hiking in the Appalachian Mountains, and then we find out he came back from Buenos Aires, Argentina. And I think his his whole thing was just like, I got to go to the uh, store, the laundromat, to get my car simonized. <laughs> Gone. And then it's just nobody saw wife, him for days. Then his wife was complaining, who wouldn't want to be without their children on Father's Day? <laughs> like, that's never happened before. And then, like, and the lieutenant governor had no idea where he was. They were asking the lieutenant, if they're like, hey, where's your boss? He's like, I, I don't know. He just went to get a smoke, and now he's uh, now he's gone. So South Carolina's Republican Governor Mark Sanford decided instead of going to the Appalachian Mountain Trail, he wanted to do something exotic. So why not go to Argentina? Well, they both start with an A, I suppose. That is true. But, I mean, when you say that rather than going on the Appalachian Mountain Trail, which, uh, 
I mean, to be fair, uh, it does seem it like stretches a, all the way to Maine. I mean, it does seem like <laughs> an exotic way, uh, you know, to, to spend, you know, I don't know, like eight months of your life or something. Isn't that the deal? Because it's just right. it's huge. Right. You could hike the Appalachian Mountain Trail all the way from like uh, North Carolina or Georgia, wherever it is, all the way to Maine without ever seeing another person. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Because uh, Bill Bryson, who is a, uh, if you guys know who Bill Bryson is, he's a great author. He wrote this book. He rose to fame with this book called A Brief History of Nearly Everything, which was like his attempt to explain in sort of layman's terms. And he's hilarious because he's got that weird kind of British wit. Um, he's discussing how the universe operates, and he tries to t- examine and uh, sort of explain to you all of the various hard sciences and how they operate with lots of fun anecdotes about how likely it is that at some point a giant fireball is just going to hit the earth and incinerate us all. But he wrote this follow-up called A Walk in the Woods, which is just where he walked the entire Appalachian Trail, and he said that same thing. He's like, he, I forget how long it took him. I mean, not how long it takes to walk from, you know, like West Virginia to Maine or whatever, but I mean, it was, it was like weeks and weeks and oh, weeks yeah. and weeks and probably months. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said he never saw anybody, um, which has just got to be a surreal experience. But so the guy decides that he's going to walk the Appalachian Trail. But then at the last moment says, no, 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 I'm going to go to Argentina uh, to see hot babes and war criminals. But the weird part is the, the one with the, one of the many weird parts is he never even told anybody he was going to the Appalachian Trail like that. He's he's peddling that as sort of like the cover story that everybody was told, but I don't think anybody was told that. I think he said he was just like going to buy some celery or something. That's weird. It's very weird. The whole thing is very bizarre. Then the man, then there's the man who was buried up to his neck in sand. This happened in Troy, Ohio. According to authorities, this fellow named Johnny Skeens was dismantling a concrete <laughs> sand bin that was filled with a mixture of sand and pea gravel. Luckily, somebody came upon him and found him buried up to his neck and called 911. Miami dispatch. I need an ambulance to paramedics at Burns Concrete on South Union Street, man buried under gravel. I got his face exposed, but I think he's dead. Wow, that's creepy. What you don't want to hear is a 911 call where another guy is describing you as, quote, looking like he's dead. Oh. That'll be a You'll hear that in your sleep. Well, they, they got him out. Well, it was rough seeing him in that condition, but everybody tipped in and did what they had to do to get him out of there. Got a good feeling? I got a good feeling. I think he's going to be all right. Uh, it, it just made it difficult because he was in the middle of the pile. He was he was kind of dead center in the middle of the pile, buried up. You know, when our guys got here, they could barely visibly see a face. So uh, oh, just trying to get so that creepy. gravel around without it sucking him down in ah, deeper. Ah, was a oh, Imagine freaky. that happening to you. A little help? Jesus, I can make Harry all gone. Little creep show reference for you there. Uh, what was his name? The guy's name? The guy's name is. Uh, it was uh, buried. Johnny Skeens. Johnny Skeens would be like a mob enforcer who tells you uh, really long winded anecdotes before he breaks your thumbs. Uh, there once was a wizard in the Count of Morlock in the Third Age of Reconstruction. You following me? Or do I got to slap you around a little bit? He probably shouldn't have been dismantling a concrete sand bin by himself. You yeah. should tell him that. You should track him. Maybe if I were a you, point of personal pride, <laughs> maybe we should do this him on air. <laughs> maybe maybe the sand bin was downsized. What I do? The if, only one left. If I were Tim, is I would I'd spend the rest of the day trying to find his phone number, and then I would call him, and I would read him the riot act. I would the just, next time you dismantle a sand bin, at least bring some temps with you to help. I would give him a long, excoriating lecture over the phone about that. You, Johnny Skeens. <laughs> All right. Let's do uh, one more here, and then straight ahead we have mystery guest. Wait the president admits, yes, he is still smoking. Well, kind of. Uh, I don't do it in front of my kids. I don't do it in front of uh, my family. Uh, and, you know, I would say that I am uh, 95% cured, but there are times where... 
There are times where I mess up. So has he he's been photographed smoking no. or, or not? He's very uh, he's got to be very cagey about Good that. For him. I mean, that's the, the, the but I mean, he's got the best of, of all worlds here because he is sort of cops to the public. And here's the thing about Barack Obama. I don't know how much of this is like a, is, is an artifice. And if, it, if, it, if he has this kind of contrived image that he puts forward, I mean, you got to figure that politicians to some degree are stage managing everything they do. You know, he's got he's got people for that, as they say. And he's you know, you get advanced men, you get the, the you know, PR people and the chief of staff, all of whom manage your image. Um, but it, that really is the best possible situation for a president that like a lot because it has that it has that just plain folks thing. Right. Uh, because what Barack Obama can't do is say. Well, like a lot of you, uh, Michelle, I used to be able to do a good Barack Obama. Now it's just gone away. Yeah, because I'm um, listening to him every day. Uh, but he used to, you know, it, you, it, you have to use the hands. That helps. Uh, maybe I have to stand up. Yes. But but you know what he can't do is is play like the money card. He can't be going like a lot of you. Uh, you know, Michelle and I are worried about how we're going to pay for college for our children. We sometimes look down at the pile of bills and we think there's just not enough money to go around because everybody would. Like, nobody would believe that, even if it were somehow insanely true. No one would accept that as the truth. But what he can do to be relatable is to say, like a lot of you, I uh, started smoking. I shouldn't have. I now struggle with it. I'm mostly cured. Occasionally, I fall off the wagon. I have a smoke. If I bum one from you, you let your conscience be your guide. Hey, hey, look at me. He's never photographed doing it. I mean, so he's talking about that's smart. And yeah, and yet he never gets captured on film actually like... You know, lighten up our back, which is uh, so good for you, Barack Obama. All right. Straight ahead, we'll have uh, the mystery guest. When we come back, was it so so you guys will reveal to the audience? Well, we could reveal now if you want. Mm, let's do it on the other side. Okay. Uh, is it getting hot in here again? Yes. It feels like we're back up to about 83 degrees. All right, we'll do a thermostat check on the other side. When we return, uh, the identity of the mystery guest will be revealed, and then I'll be given 10 seconds warning with only their name to conduct a plausible three-minute interview, which I will perform with excellence and genius. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. They attack me like a bunch of mad wolf, and they just forward until I was going to die, because they were like rabid animals. The Rick Emerson Show returns. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-228-4101. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. UFO. thank you for joining us. We are just uh, moments away from today's installment of Mystery Guest. Tim Riley, what stories are you uh, tracking for the good people of Portland on this Wednesday morning? Well, a guy who tried to elude police by hiding in the field. His cell phone went off right when they were looking for him and helped them out a lot. Die Hard 2 style. Then there's a criminal sex monster. The guy who wrote You Light Up My Life, he's been bagged on 82 counts of rape after phony auditions trying to lure young ladies in through Craigslist. He's been put out of business. Then a huge crowd packed City Hall last night, all about the renaming of 39th Avenue. All right. So uh, uh, what's happening here, Sarah? So is the mystery guest on the line but uh, being distracted by Greg? Yes, yes. He's He's replacing the the interview with Folger's Crystals. Oh, really? Yeah, the person who's... So how is that going to work? Um, you're going to leave. I'm going to say it Is the jig going to be up? No, no, no. All right. Am I leaving the room? Yes. All right. Okay. I'm leaving the room right now and uh, not doing anything. Okay. All right. This guy's name is Eric Golub, and he wrote a book called How to Tell if You're an Ideological Bigot. He believes that liberals hate conservatives for merely existing and breathing air on the air. Um, He'll explain uh, why the left has to resort to the condemnation of conservatives, and he wants to identify examples of liberal hatred and, uh, let's see, and explain why young people are actually moving to the right. Okay. And he's crazy. 
I do that thing of I'm leaving the room and I'm stepping outside and then I keep talking to myself in the hallway in that voice. I was literally standing in the hallway going, I'm looking in the window, I'm waiting for Sarah to invite me back in, I'm talking to myself like a retard. I know, uh, you've, you've seen us running around like yes. crazy today, so. All right, are we ready? All right, We're how ready. much, okay, I'm just going to get the name, is it hard to pronounce? No, I, I put a phonetic. Man or a woman? Man. All right, and at the end, you'll let me, is there anything I'm pitching at the end of this? Yes, anything I, that I'm I promoting? That, I have that right here. All right, I am talking to Eric Golub. Golub. Like Golub, but with a B? Yes. All right. Eric Golub. Uh, it is the... Uh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to be laughing. Damn it, Tim, don't you laugh. I knew you were going to do that. No. Even before you did it. It's because I'm utterly predictable and without any real uh, without any real facets, Tim. It's 503-228-4101. It is the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Show. Of course, coming up at uh, 8 o'clock, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, he will weigh in and give us the, uh, the CNN take on the passing of television icon Ed McMahon. And we'll also talk about the uh, city council meeting last night to rename 39th. Avenue. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Let's welcome now uh, to the Rick Emerson Show, Eric Golub, who is joining us now uh, on the program. Hello, Eric. How are you today? Great to be with you, Rick. Great to be with you. All right. Thank you for spending some time with us. Um, you know, a lot of times I feel like, uh, you know, you, you, you do uh, interviews like this and, you know, the, the big picture gets lost. People aren't really able to, uh, people aren't really to get across the information they think is important. Um Really, what is the one thing you're you're wanting to tell people about? What is the one thing you're wanting people to know? Well, the fact of the matter is, is my book is ideological bigotry. And the reason why I call it ideological bigotry is because it's just as harmful to society as racial and ethnic bigotry, but it doesn't get enough attention. And the fact is, is we're stuck with each other. So the idea that you would hate somebody just because you don't like their political views is insane. You might be to the left of Leon Trotsky. I could be to the right of Attila the Hun, but we could still sit down and watch a ball game and like each other. Eric, I, you have to—I have to say—you speak for—you uh, speak for a lot of us here, and uh, and ideology really is, I think, as you put it, ideology can be the—that uh, is the bright and shiny object uh, that can sometimes distract people from seeing, you know, the the, the real person. Would would you agree? Absolutely. We just classify people into labels when, again, you know, my attitude is if you can come to my home and watch football, you're a good guy. If you disagree with me, well, I'm still closed-minded. You're still wrong, but I'm going to like you. Uh, really? Now, I have to ask, is this, is this football thing, is this a theoretical way of mending fences, or have you actually, uh, have you actually done this with people uh, you know, with whom you've had some sort of deep and abiding ideological uh, conflict? No, no, it is the absolute real deal. One of my dearest friends is a bleeding-heart liberal and a Denver Broncos fan. I'm a conservative and a member of the Raider Nation, but we put all of it aside. And I'll tell you, I can be rational about politics, but when the Broncos are playing the Raiders, I just scream words that you won't have to bleep out because I won't say them today. Well, I just have to ask, uh, just between you and I, Eric, just uh, just as men here, I mean, having liberals in your home like that, did you find that you had to... Uh... You know, maybe pop uh, pop a few extra cold ones that day. <laughs> the funny thing is, and, and a lot of liberals refuse to believe this, is that I don't hate them. I can't hate a person I've never met. You know, I disagree fiercely with a lot of the things that Barack Obama is doing. I think he's wrong. I think his actions in the long run may be destructive, but I think he's a good husband, a good father, and an American patriot who loves his country. I want him to lead a happy life just somewhere in Chicago, Illinois, not the White House. Uh, what, was there a specific, uh, a specific incident, a, a flashpoint, one might say, that led to the, uh, you know, uh, that led to this, uh, this idea in your head and then to the book? 
Absolutely. Well, what I tell people is that I'm fair but totally unbalanced in more ways than one. And I was at a Jewish dinner party, and as most people know, the Jewish community tends to lead to the left of communist. And a woman at a dinner party said to me that she wished that George W. Bush's supporters were flammable. Now, flammable. Replace George W. Bush with Jesse Jackson or Barack Obama, and you've just advocated lynching. And it occurred to me that it might be crossing the line to tell people that because you disagree with them politically, the solution is to set them on fire. You know, they do that in Iran. They should not be doing that here. So that's really what inspired the blog. And then the blog, The Tiger Express, T-Y-G-R-R-R-R, it's four R's, TYG for ours express and then that led to the book because I want to take ideological bigotry wherever it is and just destroy it and along the way make people laugh and realize we have more in common than you would think I uh, I I'm so I'm making several notes to myself a don't set people on fire which has yeah. ruined my whole afternoon now because that was I mean I had that right between lunch and drop off laundry um Tiger Express it's TYG R R R R why always the R's? Why, why so many? I'm a good speller. So, you know, I make mistakes. I can admit it. You know, I wanted it to yes. be a fierce tiger. I basically lifted it from the Bandit Express, which was a song by Lee Greenwood for one of the Smokey and the Bandit movies. More information than you'll ever need to know. I have to say, really, you, could, you have to believe me when I say that I'm actually impressed at that little factoid right there. That's exactly the way to win uh, my heart, sir. All right. Uh, the book is uh, Ideological Bigotry, and the website is Tiger Express, T-Y-G-R-R-R-R, Express. Dot com. Uh, Eric Golub, thank you so much uh, for joining us, uh, my friend, and have a, a fantastic day, won't you please? It's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. There you go. That's, uh, that's Eric, uh, that's Eric Golub, uh, there. Uh, wow. Well, knowing that, I'm going to change my way. <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to go home and kick that liberal, liberal wife of mine right out. I'm not going to set her on fire, though. That would be one step too many. Wow. That's well done, Sarah and Greg. Now, that was, your, you. that was your backup choice? No, that was the original one. Okay. Oh, afraid. wait. Oh, so he, you didn't think he was no, going to no, be no, able to do it? Because I heard from a couple listeners who have Brick Emerson flagged on Google Alerts, yes. and this guy put it on his website saying, um, P.S., he thinks we're in San Francisco for some random reason. Oh, I thought you were mouthing the words San Francisco at me, and I thought you were, uh, I thought you were saying that he lived in San Francisco, which would be more of this sort of, you know, wacky juxtaposition. He's a conservative. They've got San Francisco values. Straight from the TigerExpress.com blog. At 7.20 Pacific, I'll be on the Rick Emerson Show on KUFO in San Francisco. Yes, I'm venturing into the liberal lion's den. It will be the tiger's no, den. No, no, no. I was going to say, I'm glad he beat us to that comedic punch there. That is a uh, Tiger Express. Express.com no, is the so website. If anyway, I thought that I thought that maybe you had seen the Google alert. No, no, I. So I was. So that's why we were like. I was caught, trying to make it look like. I was caught completely off guard. I have to say, <laughs> well done. That's the best you've done so far. The, 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 let's see, we've got uh, text messages here uh, that says, uh, "Sarah, Greg, you are geniuses. Uh, way to go." This one says, "Rick, you are a smooth bastard." Apparently, I missed my calling as a politician. So there you go. Well done. That is fantastic. And let me just say, by the way, something that was uh, obvious uh, like four seconds out of the gate with that. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Absolutely true. Straight ahead, we have more news with Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to senior radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles. He'll talk to us about the passing of Ed McMahon. At 8.20, Dan Finnerty from The Dan Band, seen in Old School and The Hangover and other films as well. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it's Wednesday morning.
The Rick Emerson Show returns. Whose eyeballs am I going to pick out? On Rock 101 KUFO. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus. You know, here's the thing about that mystery guest we just did. You're obsessing. (laughs) I'm sort of... I'm retroactively nervous. Like, I was just noticing that I'm all kind of jittery over here, and it's not just because I had a visa, more of everything good. It's... I think it's because I'm looking back at that and, and realizing how completely and totally that caught me off guard. Wow. All right. Well, well done, Sarah. Good luck topping that one, by the way. No, and Greg. Greg, you know, kept him on the phone for five because he was listening online. Too. Really? Hey, Greg, kept, join us in the studio for a moment if you uh, if you would. Greg is amazing. No, he was in there talking to that guy for like five minutes while and killing time because he was listening online and so he's trying to get him to oh, turn down the online trying to get him turn down the online stream so he didn't hear us yeah. like pushing that it was a mystery guest kind of keeping him at bay with it, the whip in a chair good god almighty all right so uh, that is uh, that i'd say that's the best we've done uh, so far but yes. now, because i'm feeling a little uh, i'm feeling a little off kilter now just uh, because in my head i guess in my head i always when i don't think it's going to be andy dick as I think I said, one of the worst things you ever did to me was tell me that you tried to get Andy Dick that one week. We had Andy Dick, and then he actually did cancel. And then he, and then yeah, and then he wasn't, wasn't available. Uh, and so now every time, <laughs> do you have all kinds of Andy Dick trivia in your? Seriously, head now? <laughs> every time, we, every every time uh, we 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 do the mystery guest, and I go to pick up the phone, half of my brain thinks it's going to be Andy Dick, and the other half, for some reason, always thinks it's going to be what's her name, Edie McClurg. Uh, I mean, not really her, but a woman, and she's the uh, the secretary from Ferris Bueller. Ed, with your back, you shouldn't throw anybody. I'm picturing a woman who just who looks exactly like Edie McClurg, and she has like a she has she's like pitching a, a collection of recipes or something. I was not uh, expecting it to be the author of the book Ideological Bigotry. <laughs> Good God, oh my, what did what did when you so we called him or did he call yeah, us? No, no, we called him. What did he sound like? Like when he answered the phone, what does that sound like? Well, the first the first thing he said to me, I was like, so so is this Eric Golub? You know, this is Greg from the Rick Emerson show. He's like, yep, bring it on. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, it, I mean, it caught me off for your liberal hatred. Yeah, it Fantastic. caught me off guard, and I knew what he was all about. Why did he still... think we were in San Francisco? Is just because I, I of don't, because of the liberal because thing. of our well, liberal we're values. On the left coast. That's that's right. We're yeah. all the same. Over Where here. is he at? Do we know? Well, he's from L.A., but he told me he is a New Yorker who happens to live in L.A. But oh, he I hates see. L.A. Oh, I see. So. I'm in L.A., but I'm not of L.A. Greg, it's an important distinction to make. Don't set me on fire. <laughs> and he won the 2007 Blogger's Choice Award for most passionate fan base. I hate look. No disagreement for me. That is entirely believable. All right, so the he web- knew what he was talking about. Well, he knew what he believed in. And his uh, yeah, yes. his website has... He never really did explain the, 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 the four R's. Is that reading and writing and something or other? You know writing spelled with a W. I know, but... Uh, that's true. Uh, I'm sorry, it's that liberal outcome-based education. <laughs> I'm going to go to his... I'm going to go to his website. Hold on. I'm just going to see, and then we'll... Yes, uh, you have to. News from Tim Riley. Don't forget four R's. All right, hold on. Uh, let's see. Tiger... Are you kidding Are me? Are you kidding? <laughs> That's awesome. That is fantastic. It's, oh, he gets better and better. It's just the loaf. <laughs> wow. By the way, I'm looking at his website, the Tiger Express. Uh, we'll move on here. It, it does look like a black velvet painting of a roaring tiger. <laughs> and then there's a, like a PayPal, like a donate link. That's just drinking it, the love from her holy grail. That's exactly what it says. It says the Tiger Express... Drinking the love from her holy grail. And scroll down. Look, that's where uh, they right. wrote about you. Excellent. Well, there you go. So that's uh, that's that guy. That's uh, Eric Golub. Um, all right. Well, it, it, I would say well done. So I look forward to the uh, I look Excellent. forward to the next go around with this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. 
In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is now 744. It's going to be mostly sunny today. Highs day already, but the rain is coming back tomorrow. Huge crowds packed City Hall last night, venting anger, well, both pro and con, on the proposed renaming of 39th Avenue in honor of Cesar Chavez. Now, the rules say there have to be two readings, followed by public testimony. And now the city council will vote on the issue July 8th. Wait, so was that, so we've had the two readings. Was that the public testimony last night? That was it, yes. I, I guess I should have known about that. I mean, it, as dumb as it sounds, that's actually the kind of thing I, I almost, I think I would have gone to that just to sort of see it, you know, kind of up close and personal, just to sort of hear uh, the arguments. Has anybody pointed out that this is, I mean, leaving aside all of, as uh, Eric would say, the ideological issues at play here? This is perhaps not the right economy uh, to be shoving a bunch of name changes on the people because if you've got a business, you've got letterhead. I mm-hmm. mean, which. Oh, that's which, awful, actually. Yeah. yeah. yeah which might sound that's like. Expensive. Yeah, that's the thing. It might sound like a tiny expense unless you're the guy whose business has to change all of their stuff because it's no longer going to be accurate. Uh, so I, you know, I think. My, here's my thing. I think if the city is going to uh, push this through, which, I mean, it, it seems like it's like a 60-40 proposition at this point, that they're probably going to do it. But if the city is going to mandate that 39th be changed to Cesar Chavez Boulevard, the, the city ought to be footing the bill for everything that's got to be changed uh, for that. Because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, the city's not going to leave signs up to say 39th. The city's going to change all of their stuff. Uh, so if the city's acknowledging that all of those things have to be updated with new information, they ought to be paying that for everybody else. Because if you, like, if you're down, uh, like where I live, and you just drive down 39th, like toward Burnside. In fact, in either direction. But I mean, if you go down 39th, like if you go to like um, like Stark and that area, there's businesses. I mean, lining both sides of the street, and they're all going to have outdated information. Jesus, that all is right. true. Now, what are you going to do? So let me tell you about this alleged dirty sex monster. The Oscar-winning composer who wrote "You Light Every Up My Life." Every time you say that, I think it's like a creature from Avenue Q or something. <laughs> Hello. Well, that's the guy who wrote You Light Up My Life, that Debbie Boone song. If you're in radio in the 70s and 80s, you played it like every five minutes continuously. It's three minutes and 31 seconds. Ends cold. (laughs) What's the intro, Tim? About three seconds. Could you hit the, well, I was going to say, could you hit the post, but if there's not much, if there's only a three-second ramp, probably not. Not very long. Anyway, he wrote You Light Up My Life. He won the Oscar for Best Song in 1977. His name is Joseph Brooks. Well, he used his credentials to help him lure starry-eyed young women to his apartment where he got them drunk and raped them under the guise of auditioning them for a part that would launch their careers. And he was assisted by his 42-year-old personal assistant named Shawnee Lucier, who's from Federal Way, and they recruited people on Craigslist. Uh, He targeted victims from Washington State and Oregon, including former American Idol contestant Loretta Spruill of Seattle, so they would be so tired from traveling by the time they reach his apartment in New York that they would not put up a fight. Let's back up for a second. So this is the guy who wrote uh, You Light, Light Up My Life. Life. Do we have, actually, Sarah, do you have... You um, told me no. Well, I, I, I was going to play it, but Sarah I, was, I, I figured it didn't fit the format. I, I Maybe in an edited version. I, I saw Sarah reaching for the button to play this, and I just wanted to make sure we weren't juxtaposing this with details of some awful criminal assault uh, that may have taken place. But, I mean, if, if you lived in America during a certain period of time, was it 79? I think 77, wasn't it? 77? 77, 78. I mean, I just I remember this song. playing constantly. 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 I can I play mean, this on the piano. Really? Mm-hmm. That's kind of impressive, actually. Did she have any other hits? No. I mean... And, and Pat Boone would, would brag relentlessly while this was out that his daughter was a virgin, and therefore more people should appreciate her singing. She's weird looking. She looks like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I like how we go right to just a physical insult to somebody we don't know and have no reason to dislike. Who's that standing behind her in the dress in the video? <laughs> somebody who looks like an ass. <laughs> it's double Debbie Boone. <laughs> is, is there a video for this? She looks like oh, she's yeah. wearing a dress from the 1950s. Yeah, she's singing in front of like a wicker fence and then there's a little her on the right oh, is that who that from is? an angle. Hallmark presents Precious Memories. So... This was number one. Do you know how many weeks was number one oh for Tim? Oh my gosh, I don't remember. Nine. Seemingly forever, yeah. Uh, number one for nine weeks. And it didn't matter that it fell out of the top ten. It played continuously. Well, see, that's the thing. Because songs like this, they will go... Songs like that leap up the charts, but then they slide down the charts so slowly. I mean, I, mean, you I, just I wish didn't... I could take a bolt tape eraser to my brain for that period of time <laughs> and just get rid of that song. The, the whole thing plays, not an edited version. No, well, because it's 331. I mean, there's really... And it's all vocal. There's not a whole lot to get rid of there. It's not like you could be cutting that down. Um, jingle out and go into a spot at the end of it. <laughs> to anymore. There are several songs that are always, in my mind, linked with just bad AM radio broadcasts in the 70s while sitting out on the back porch just whittling a stick or something, waiting for my mom uh, you know, to let me move somewhere better. Um, that is one. Music Box Dancer is another one. Oh, yes. no. Floyd Kramer, which I can sing. Uh, I can sing the entire. Lady I won't. by Kenny Rogers. Lady by Kenny Rogers. Islands in the Stream. Um, oh, that's a good one. See, but what is it? Okay, well, what is the deal, though? Because all of those it's not just era. It's not just the time they came what? out. They all have a certain kind of sound. And mm -hmm. these, these songs played on Top 40 Radio, that's, which is weird. It's weird to think that that was actually, well, you know, it's like Barry Manilow, same Teenagers thing. Teenagers went on and bought this crap? Yes. That... <laughs> Well, I mean, it's if you look at the Billboard charts now, where it's all I don't know with the uh, the hip and the hop and the and the so forth. What with the Beyonce and and all of that. I mean, I I have no idea what uh, I could not name. I couldn't even guess at an artist that is in the top ten right now. I mean, if you put a gun to my head, does anybody? Could anybody even guess at a single Lady at an artist Gaga? that is in the top ten? I mean, is that the kid you know? I don't know. Usually, I watch you count on a VH1, but I haven't had time. So Greg is saying it's like Lady Gaga, or you know, it's you know, or it's Eminem or whatever. You just like it's, you know. But it is, it is difficult to imagine a time when the kids who now would be buying like Lady Gaga or whatever, you know, I mean, or, she's just, you know, she's a wax figure that sings. That, that yeah. they would be going to the mall. What are you doing today? I'm going to go to the mall and I'm going to buy that bitchin' new Debbie Boone song. You light up my life, or Mandy by Barry Manilow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not. Barry Manilow wasn't number one on like some old yeah. guy uh, chart or something, or like and, an easy listen to. That, that came a, out about around the same time as Kung Fu Fighting. That would have been. I mean, that would have been a song that like Casey Kasem or somebody played uh, right between like the Bee Gees and uh, you know like Man. Foreigner. Telephone Man. I remember playing that one. But those songs all have the same kind of weird, warm, sort of melted sound to them. You know, another one uh, that has that is A Little Good News by Anne Murray. That used to play, and there's... She uh, wanted to hear about a country fair. <laughs> that and um, the final song in that sort of puzzle, all the ones we mentioned, the other song that I always remember just blaring out of my mom's AM radio while I was waiting for a guy named Mike Barachoa to come on and do the farm report... Uh, listening to KONA in my hometown, which was Kona, which we all, as it, which is teenage kids, we would call Coma because it was for old people. The final song was that. Um, what is that? Don't fall in love with the dreamer. Do you know that song? No, Kenny Rogers. And I know a nah, bunch of crappy music. No, no, no. That's not Kenny Rogers. Don't fall in love. With no, don't fall in love with the dreamers and Kenny Rogers. It, it was a chick, wasn't it? No, you're no. thinking of you're thinking of. Um, she believes in me. She oh. believes in me. That's not. That's Kenny Rogers. I'll never know. Yeah, I you know the, 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 no, I think it is. Don't fall in love with the dreamers, Kenny Rogers. You know what I'm thinking of? It's not don't fall in love with the dreamer. Yeah, it's right. No, no, no. It's do, you are right. I'm thinking of don't cry out loud. 
Oh, that's oh. Melissa Manchester. Melissa Manchester. That's an amazing song. Yeah, that's just a... No, not again. <laughs> <laughs> no. I wanted to bulk that cart. Excellent. Let's do uh, one more here and then straight ahead. Ways of sex not Kenny not Rogers. Kenny Rogers. No, I'm sorry. I mean, not to the best of our knowledge, the day's not over yet. Depends so, uh, on how bored he gets later. Phil Spector is getting bored and is asking for a few things from his prison cell. He'd like a television and iPod, a computer uh, access for his uh, cell. He's getting uh, 19 years there. Who's getting 19 years? Uh, Phil Spector. Okay. And so he, he's uh, trying to find some ways to spend his time behind that new wall of sound. It's... Not a wall of sound, it's a wall of walls. That was dumb. I'm sorry, I should have brought something better there. I, I was busy trying to think of perverse lyrics to Lady. Like, a, there's a gun out in my car. And a well, I made you think about too many 70s songs. That's what I did. Live from Portland, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Wednesday morning. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. KUFO! Pop, pop, pop! Portland. Baby cried the day the circus came to town. Thank you, sir. No problem. Cause she didn't want parades just passing by her. Welcome to Sunny 101.1, the station you've been asking for. (laughs) It's the station everyone in the hospice center can agree on. Sit back, relax. And enjoy your hectic work day. Draw your last few rattling breaths. See dead relatives floating down a tunnel. Continue with the repetitive tasks of your job as you sit there silently dying daily. Bow to the whim of your corporate masters. Staple and file more. Marry and reproduce. We're doing like we suddenly became Desiderata. That was the weirdest thing that's ever... Rotate your tires. Refill that stapler. Okay, that was freaking me out just there. We suddenly became less crane. Let's let's end this. Let's welcome down to the Rick Emerson Show. Jesus. It's kind of unnerving how, how easily we fell into that. Let's uh, welcome Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Please rescue us from this hell. Hello, sir. I totally thought I called the wrong station. Seriously, or, or that there had been some sort of a shift in programming that well, you were not apprised of? Lord. Yeah. I had the razor blade ready. Can I just I worked at a radio station uh, where the opposite happened. I uh, I wasn't there, but it was part of the station's uh, legacy, as they say. I worked at a station that had been, it was just like WKRP, as a matter of fact. It had been an easy listening station, and they shifted one morning at 6 a.m. from easy listening to uh, to hard rock, more or less. And I'm trying to remember what the first song they played was. It was like... It was like it was like you really got me or something by Van Halen. It was, it was some like really you know sort of like loud abrasive song. Um, but what was weird is you would go back and we, you would listen. They actually had they had the foresight to save on reel to reel the moments of the changeover. So you would literally you'd hear this radio station playing. I think the last song they played was um, it was Perry Como something or other. And then there was just this like you know. Are you ready to rock? Or whatever the 1981 equivalent of that was. And went right into Van Halen. But it does occasionally uh, happen the other way as well. Uh, I know it, uh, there's some stations in Los Angeles that that's happened to where one day they're oh, rocking. And, at them. What's that? Uh, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, the listen next... to this. I went from jazz to, sh- to show tunes. And they, now, so did they keep the same air staff when they did that? Uh, not everybody. <laughs> some of you made Those the transition. Those and grovel they kept. <laughs> Those who said, this is lousy, 
Oh, they got rid of them. No, no, no. Those that's who needed job and insurance. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, they, that is why Rick Emerson is a company man. Uh, it doesn't matter where I work or what I'm doing. I'm happy to be doing it, and every decision made by management is correct. You know yeah. why? Rick Emerson got to eat. Oh. <laughs> that's, you know, that's so true. Seriously. I've never understood people who complain. No, seriously. Yeah, F this. I'm twice a month, I'm happy. I'm going to make a just devoted stand of principle. Hey, what is my key work? Ah, crap. You know, the next thing you know, you're some guy selling his bone marrow trying to buy Top Ramen. That's, uh, yeah. no, no, no. My principle is I got to pay mortgage, I got to eat. Well, what is it? What is it? John Totoro says in uh, in Rounders, where he's uh, Matt Damon is uh, is picking a fight with him, and he's he's saying that you know he doesn't. You never have the stones to make a play. And John Totoro says, "Stones. You know what I got? I got alimony. I got child support. I got rent. I don't play. Uh, what do you say? I don't play poker for fun. I play poker for money." Let's talk. And this is actually a very natural segue because we were just talking yesterday about Ed McMahon being passed away and how. Obviously, yeah, sorry about yesterday, by the way. Oh no, d- dude, you were up to your eyeballs then because you had the Chris Brown thing, and then you know it's not that the Ed McMahon thing was totally unexpected, but I mean, when Tim said breaking news, there's been a celebrity passing in L.A. I we went you around the room. It was Cronkite. I thought well, we thought it was Cronkite. Yeah, and it was somebody else that we came up with. Uh, Bob Barker was actually the first person I guessed for some reason, and then but he hasn't even been sick. No, and then Greg Greg guessed Phil Donahue for no like for reasons that are sort of passing understanding. But Ed McMahon was a guy you just figured would always be around um, because he's just such a huge part of our culture, not only because it's the night show, but because he was just such a, a such a visible pitch man. Uh, and really, he raised that to an art form uh, out there uh, advertising and endorsing various products. I mean, that guy was he never quit. Yeah, I, I mean, I had the pleasure of talking to him several times. In fact, last time I talked with him at length was at the Emmy Awards last September. Um, I've learned so much about him over the years. You know, like he was the guy that was supposed to be American Bandstand, but he was in the service or out of town or something, and another Philly um, disc jockey got the gig that was, what's his name, Dick Clark. And then Dick Clark was the one who told Ed about the uh, the uh, audition for the announcer for Who Do You Trust, the game show right. that Johnny Carson got. Yeah, there's some, some kid from Nebraska. Yeah, and, and and Ed said that was the weirdest audition he's ever had. He went in, Johnny Carson was there, first time they met. All Johnny Carson did was ask Ed, you know, who is he, where is he from, what's he been doing? And then after like 10 minutes, he just left the room. And Ed said he was just sitting there. Finally, he went home. He never realized he got the job until Freddie DeCorvita or somebody who was working with Carson, even in that early time, called Ed up and said, wear a suit. Uh, Carson's wearing a sport coat. Uh, you're the announcer. Wow. He said it was the weirdest interview he's ever had, and their relationship began right then and there, 1958, 59, somewhere around there. You know, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things with every passing year, you just more of that old guard, uh, you know, isn't around anymore. You look at the Carson show, so uh, Carson obviously gone. Uh, Fred DeCordova, I think, actually died. Uh, he's the executive producer. Ed McMahon uh, now passed away. So really, we're just left with Tommy Newsom. That's that's pretty. And Doc well, Severinsen, Doc Severinsen. Doc Severinsen is still alive. Doc, there is so I think it's in Spokane or maybe Walla Walla or something. There's a you go to there's a rest stop. It sounds like I'm making this up. There is a rest stop where there's a huge brass statue of Doc Severinsen somewhere in Oregon. I forget exactly where that is. Because uh, it's like I don't know, he was born there, or someplace near, someplace near where he went to school. I think uh, it's Silverton. Is it Silverton? Yeah. Are you thinking of Howard Hessman? 
I think they're both from the same area. Uh, maybe. Yeah, there's a, there's a the statue of Doc Severinsen you'll see around here. And those guys really are. Here's the thing about, about Carson and especially about Ed McMahon, because it's so easy to look at a guy like that and diminish what he did by saying, well, he was just a sidekick or he's just the guy that said yes or whatever. But they made it look, as somebody uh, said uh, on the television show Sports Night, uh, it's very hard to make it look this easy. And those guys had such a natural rhythm, and they just, they never looked like they were working at it, ever, Johnny well, or Ed. McMahon would have told you that. He said the hardest thing he's ever done was act like he had no talent. Right. And that was 30 years, 34 years, I think, actually, on The Tonight Show. But, you know, it, it, he just knew his role, and, and he played his role. He knew when to, when to be there, when not to be there. I mean, he was just as quick and just as funny as Carson was, but he always allowed Carson for the most part, the last word, which yeah. in many instances was just a take. You know, Carson looking at the camera. You know, and and Ed was fine with that. I mean, Ed was making money, so what was he going to complain about? It was, and that's somebody said this yesterday. That that shot of Ed McMahon and Johnny Carson, Carson at the desk and McMahon in the in the chair next to him. I get on my website. It's the greatest. I. It's the greatest two shot in the history of television. It is beyond iconic. Yeah. I mean, it is the and I actually, if you read his book, uh, McMahon wrote this book about being, you know, uh, the, being kind of a sidekick. It was a book specifically about the Carson era, and he it's so he's such a class act. He tells this story about stepping on one of Carson's jokes one time and how he never forgave himself for it. And you can, you see the clip, and it's where Carson is reading this story, where Carson is saying, um, you know, I saw on the news the other day that uh, apparently mosquitoes. Did you see this? Mosquitoes now they're saying are attracted. To men who are more virile, apparently something. If you are, uh, you know, more of a more of an alpha male, if you have lots of testosterone, a lot of a lot of sex drive, you uh, you'll get attacked by mosquitoes more frequently. And McMahon at that moment goes and slaps his arm and goes, "Damn it, another one!" And which is funny and hilarious, but it was what Carson was leading up to, and McMahon didn't really know that. And he said that it got a huge laugh, but he said he never forgave himself for it because he took his role as the sidekick so seriously. So. You know, he- Everything he did, and he did it more out of respect than anything else, whether it was Star Search or uh, TV bloopers with Dick Clark or any of that stuff, um, he always asked for Johnny's blessing first. Not necessarily right. his permission, but said to Johnny, you're okay with this, right? Because right. if not, I won't do it. Because he, he didn't want to ruin the relationship that he had with Johnny Carson. They were that good of friends and that great of business partners. And he really considered himself a business partner of Johnny Carson's, even though Carson was top billing. Um, he said he never did anything without talking to Johnny about it first, and it was—I mean that—that that was—that's the ultimate sign of respect, because I'm sure Carson never told him no. Right. But it was just, you know, keeping everybody on the same page. What you do. Uh, and Carson never ever was surprised by anything. No, he's uh, the old school. So, you know, he started his career at uh, WLLH in Lowell, Massachusetts, because he was going to high school in Lowell. It's, it's not even his, his autobiography, but that's where he started. McMahon did. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was a bingo caller. Yeah, he was a bingo caller. Yeah. Awesome. All right. On that note, my friend, have a, a fantastic day. We will talk to you very soon, Jim. Okie doke. There you go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. All right. Straight ahead, we will talk to Dan Finnerty of the Dan Band. You've seen them in uh, Old School, uh, The Hangover. Uh, it's, uh, they're going to be at the Crystal Ballroom tomorrow night, and uh, we will be talking to Dan Finnerty from the Dan Band here in just a moment. We'll also have some tickets to give away and more news from Tim Riley, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Wednesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. I love a man in yellow pants. Call 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. 
Indeed, it is the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. You're listening to Rock 101, KUFO. Uh, we are moments away from speaking with Dan Finnerty of Dan Band. They are going to be at the Crystal Ballroom tomorrow night. That is Thursday night. You can find out more at uh, Ticketmaster.com. It's coming up in just one second. Tim Riley, what uh, headlines are we following for the good people of the Rose City on this Wednesday? Well, apparently there's some new stuff being released about Sam Adams today. His lawyers have released a statement to follow up on his apology. What new stuff could there possibly be? Uh, there's some quotes from his lawyer that were released, so we'll get to that. More envelopes of money. All right. I, mean, I mean, once you've gotten to allegedly making out uh, with a 17-year-old in the city hall bathroom and then leaving big stacks of cash for him in an envelope at the front desk, I mean, really, where is the, the, how much further down can you possibly dig? I could read it. Well, let's not. Let's, uh, let's make people wait for it, Tim. All right. We don't want to give it away just now. All right, it's 503-228-4101. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the damn band. You've seen them in uh, Old School and uh, The Hangover, among other things, including the uh, the Spike Guys Choice Awards, which actually just aired a few days ago. They're going to be at the Crystal Ballroom tomorrow. Dan Finnerty. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am uh, fantabulous, uh, my brother. I have to ask you, first and foremost, so you were the 2009 Spike TV Guys Choice Awards uh, just aired, and you guys were there. You were the, the, the house band. Um was it surreal at a certain point to, to look around and go like, well, here I am, and then, hey, there's Brad Pitt, and there's Clint Eastwood. I mean, there's all of these, I mean, there's huge A-listers, uh, more or less gathered in one place, either live or, or, or virtually. I mean, was that weird? Do you ever step outside of yourself and have freak-out moments with that? Yeah, that was a pretty crazy event, because I certainly didn't expect it to be, you know, that celebrity-filled. Like, Jamie Foxx was there, and he made out with Halle Berry. I don't understand that at all. Um because I, I thought she was married, but whatever. It's good TV. Um, yeah, and because, especially since my show started off as drunken karaoke, that, you know, it's moments like that where I flash and go, oh, my God, thank God for the Zima and the karaoke. Well, I was, the, so that was going to be my next question. Is So if you would for us, give us the, you know, sort of the brief timeline of, of you know, how you got from, how you got from there to here. Because, I mean, the, the really a big deal with a huge, uh, what started as an underground following, and now real mainstream following, and he's got you know stars of every uh, sort and stripe and type and variety in your videos. What? How did that all happen? Where, where did the critical mass take place? Um, it really, you know, I, it started. I was doing Stomp in Toronto, and I did that karaoke thing at drunk at a bar and sang "I Am Woman," and then I moved to L.A. and just started this band as a joke, you know, just because I was bored. And people started coming, and it just started growing, and you know, eventually. Todd Phillips from Old School saw the show that I was doing and put me in Old School and just told me I could sing whatever song I wanted for this wedding they were doing. Have you ever, have you guys ever been in real life, uh, the wedding band? I mean, you must get that get asked that all the time. Dude, you come rock my wedding, it would be awesome. Yeah, especially with The Hangover, we've really just sealed the deal on the wedding casket. But um, uh, yeah, we did it once before Old School even and as a favor to a friend and it's just too tragic because... The poor grandmas come to their grandson's wedding. They get their hair set. They have their purse on their lap at you know 8 a.m. ready to go out the door, and and then we come out, and it's not the band they want to see at their grandson's wedding. Could you, you know play I mean? close to you and dedicate it to Myron? That would be wonderful. And then yeah. meanwhile, you're up there, you know, doing some profanity-filled version of Total Eclipse of the Heart or something. Yeah, and the more uncomfortable like the grandmas would get, the more. Nervous I would get, and when I get nervous, I kind of grab my crotch and swear, so then it just would escalate from there. That should be your defense if you ever busted for anything. No, I was just uh, I was just nervous, and then my pants came off, and one right. thing led to another, officer. Yeah, yep. 
We're talking to Dan Finnerty uh, from the Dan Band. The, do uh, you know Total Eclipse of the Heart? Obviously, was such a, a huge deal, and you've done the same with uh, you know, songs by other female singers. Do you at this point get singers, either male or female, that come to you and they're like, "Hey, please redo my song. Do that thing where you do that thing where you where you make my song all dirty." Yeah, what's crazy is Alanis Morissette called us one time, and I should have saved the message because it was so funny. She's like. Dan Finnerty, I'm doing a show at the House of Blues, and I want you to come sing You Ought to Know with me, um, which is, you know, the holy grail of Alanis Morissette songs, and I thought for sure I was going to get killed by her fans when, I, you know, the curtain opened, and right. me and my backup singers were there singing. Uh, when pe- her, you know, and she came out and, you know, pushed us off stage and finished singing the song, but it was pretty funny. When people come to come to see you guys, you're going to be at the Crystal uh, tomorrow. What, I mean, obviously there's some of those big things that you're known for, the songs that the people have seen you perform. Uh, you're going to do those. What else? What else? You know, what should people expect? What happens uh, during a, what happens during an evening with the Dan band? Well, it's um, to me, it's a, just a comedy show that's, you know, with all these songs that you've heard since the 80s. You know, we start with like I Am Woman and then it starts. It goes into Shoot by Salt and Pepper and then Genie in a Bottle. And there's a Shakira medley we just put in. It's crazy. And, um, you know, it's all girl songs, but just done as guys, you know, not dressed as girls. Uh, tomorrow at night at the Crystal Ballroom, you can see uh, Dan Finnerty and the rest of the Dan band. I have to uh, wrap it up by asking this question. Uh, what is the most famous name in your cell phone? Um, Rick Emerson. Oh, there you go. Oh, We're going to play this interview a hundred times between today and tomorrow. Well done, sir. All right, my friend. Best of continued success in all things. The Dan band is tomorrow night at the Crystal Ballroom. Uh, you can find out more uh, at KUFO.com or you can go to Ticketmaster. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. All right, there you go. That's Dan Finnerty, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the Dan Band. Yeah, uh, Greg, can you? uh, Thank you. That's uh, he had kind of a Michael Cera thing kind of going on. Mm -hmm. I just get on stage and then we're gonna sing. And I, you know, I just if you can, if you want to, or I could just stay in the audience. I don't really even need to be here. I could, I could just go home, wash dishes. Now I kind of want to go. Yeah, I have. Uh, that sounds pretty rad. I have a feeling it's going to be. I, I have a feeling it would be. It's going to be. It'd be quite a good show. That is tomorrow night uh, at the Crystal. It is Rock One Hundred One KUFO, ladies and gentlemen. Sometime before the top of the hour, we're going to be giving away a half-off certificate to Pearl District Tattoo. So you want to be listening for that. And straight ahead, more news from your personal savior at the news desk, Tim Riley, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Wednesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. At all times. To everyone. In accordance with prophecy. The Rick Emerson Show. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. Hey, by the way, were you guys going to let me walk around all day with toothpaste on my face? You had toothpaste on your face? I had a huge, you know that toothpaste? I didn't even look at your face. No, Thanks, you have a big Tim, microphone in front of your face. I mean, in detail. Uh-huh. Remember a couple weeks ago, I blinded myself with one of those weird flavor strips that was inside my toothpaste? You need yes. to get different toothpaste. I had a huge flavor strip stuck on my face. It was a big white square. How could you not see it? Because you have a I giant microphone it. in front of your face. Uh, that's, okay, that's fair. Maybe that's it was a long way over there. I, I guess that's true. And we all are, are very nice to each other in the fact that we stay far away from each other. That's true. We avoid uh, any sort of physical proximity. Distances are respected. All right. Uh, so Tim has, we have really some astounding uh, breaking news. Is this true, Tim? <laughs> yes, we do. All right, let's go to the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, with your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. So anyway, uh, let's see. We have this released uh, by the mayor's lawyers. They released a statement to follow up on his apology. In 2005, now, they probably released this because these text messages 
have been made public. Now, today. these are text messages between uh, Sam Adams and Bo Breedlove. Oh, ooh, I have some music we can play for one. Okay, but first I'm going to read the lawyer's statement. In 2005, Sam Adams was briefly and stupidly involved sexually with an 18-year-old man. In 2007, Sam Adams' political ambition overcame his sense of responsibility, mm. and he tried to cover it up. In 2009, Sam Adams' knowledge of what it really means to do the right thing vis-a-vis Mr. Breedlove was restored. Ironically, it it uh, served to, for him to stay low at the moment of his greatest political success. He was publicly humiliated. He is sincere in his oft-repeated apologies to friends, constituents, and fellow citizens. He now wants to be the leader he was elected to be. Whether he is permitted to do so will be decided by the voters of Portland with a recall effort is launched in a few days. Uh, it is best kept in their hands. No crime was committed. As Bob Haldeman uh, said during the height of the Watergate scandal, you know, seven words a year and a half ago. I lied. I covered up. I'm sorry. This all would have gone away. Um, all right. So what so do we have? We have uh, two text messages. Hold on. So, this, Sarah, what do you? No, I. No, 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 no. So I, I will do too much. different. I will do different voices between Aubrey Love and Sam. Ooh, okay. All right. So okay, let me. With wait, do you have something let just instrumental? Let me find the appropriate instrumental bed for that. All right. There we go. Who's vo- who are you starting with, Tim? Aubrey Love. All right. Should I hire a lawyer? As a precaution, yes. Is there anyone you would recommend who's cheap? Because I can't afford this. Uh, let me ask around. I'll get back to you. I just got a message from Nigel saying there are rumors that John tried to rape me. What are you going to say? Um, I'm going to crawl into a hole. I haven't said anything yet. I did my statement last night. So now here's the second one. No, we are both disgraced. Disgraced and ashamed. I'm sorry, Sam. I'm the felon. The slutty, trashy felon all over the news. I'm so sorry, Bo. Wow. I, uh... Who's John? Okay, let me go back to this John part. I, I don't even know where to begin. There's no... This is Adam's ex-date, Snow... John, with some alleged rape. And whether or not... Oh, he was also uh, talking about whether or not he should talk publicly into the $750 that Adams gave him. This is Bo Breedlove wondering this. Yes. So these are... Now, was this like on a city cell phone or something? I don't know if it was a city cell phone or a, pub, a oh, private cell Well, you know, but I guess it doesn't matter if they're subpoenaing right. him. Like, if he gets subpoenaed, he's got to, you got to turn over everything, right? I guess they right. can... If, it, if, they, if the attorney general is looking into something, if it's a criminal investigation, then I guess it doesn't matter whether it's a public phone or not. They just go to your provider and, like, give it up. Yes. Good God almighty. So it's a... No, we're both ruined. Disgraced and ashamed. I am sorry, Sam. I'm the felon, the slutty, trashy felon all over the news. I'm so sorry, Bo. Wherever shall I go, whatever shall I do. This has been Tim Riley's Playhouse. That's wrong. That what? doesn't that doesn't sound right. You know, that like Master like sense. Playhouse 90. What should I have said? Tim Riley Theater? Yes. Tim Riley's Playhouse sounds like a creepy thing where you're wearing a red <laughs> bow tie and talking to I'm Cherry. I'm at the top of my lungs like some blue collar worker. <laughs> Drunk in public. Mr. Bourdain, I'm a huge fan! <laughs> oh. I'm really drunk! <laughs> That's not the kind of playhouse we are here. <laughs> Help security to get their hands off me! I'm sorry. Said out loud. I'm sorry, that should have been an indoor voice. Like everything should be. Well, in any event. Uh, how about Tim Riley Theater? We'll call it that. Yes, we won't call it Playhouse. That word is... That, that word, speaking of things that are now ruined, that word, that word has not been taken away. No. That word has been, uh, it's, it's sullied and besmirched. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. There may be more coming up.
All right, here's Tim Riley, ladies. Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, on a positive note, if you head down to Pioneer Courthouse Court, you better hurry. That was all positive, by the way. Everything oh, you just did yeah, there, yes. that was golden. I mean, not for not for Sam Adams. Well, he what does he care? He's in the clear. Yeah. I mean, that's the he thing is commi- he committed no criminal act. That's obviously. that's the thing. Like it doesn't. He's he a, didn't do anything wrong. He's an upstanding individual, Tim. I mean, he may feel like a felon, a slutty, trashy felon all over the news, but he didn't do anything wrong. Well, and here's the thing: is it like it doesn't matter in the sense that criminal investigation is done. And what's his name? Nick Fish was like, well, that's it. Good enough for me. Like the attorney. I mean, to be fair, in in part of this, like the system really did work in the sense that whatever you think about it, in the sense that the attorney general said, look, there's no crime. I can't find any 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 evidence of anything. And what's his name? Nick Fish, who had been really, really pushing for the attorney general's investigation, because I think he thought that there was you know fire and you know where there was smoke and whatever. Uh, as soon as the uh, as soon as Kroger said, well, there's no there's no evidence. Nick Fish was like, good enough for me. Dropped. I consider the matter closed. We're moving on. Mm-hmm. But so it doesn't matter. That's it. Also doesn't matter because the the, the recall folks were going to do their thing regardless. I mean, it's like the guys who you know who were, the people who were sort of behind the recall Sam Adams thing were going to they weren't going to be dissuaded anyway. So it, it it almost changes nothing. And darn, some of the the lines from these text messages are blacked out. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. I think that we should um, do a choose your own adventure. Like you should fill in the blacked out lines. Stupid redacting. Oh no, like Mad Libs. Yes, Mad Libs. That's awesome. Uh, Tim, can we uh, text some... message Mad Libs is the greatest idea ever. Give, can you uh, put something? Can you just say blank and read one of these where something is blanked out, and okay. just say just say blank so we know where it is. I just heard that Randy Leonard is asking for an investigation. Is that true? But then, like, where is the blank? The blank is the answer. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, this I... This might not be as genius as we thought. I think maybe this is ill-conceived. Maybe we should come back and try this again tomorrow. Are there blanks in the middle of the sentences ever? No, not in the middle of sentences. Entire oh. sentences are blacked out. Well, that's Except frustrating. Except for the parts that say, I'm so sorry, Sam. <laughs> and then does it say in brackets, Wait. weeping? It's like, uh, are you still in Salem? Do you have time to chat tonight? Silly clown hat, smiley face, Rose. All right. Did they ever send emoticons to each other? Please tell me there's emoticons. Nope. Ah, damn it. I want emoticons. I know you do. Well, all right. We all do. Doesn't emoticon sound... Emoticon sounds like he would be uh, like some sort of very... Um, an emoticon... Would, Tech-savvy criminal? No, no, no. I was going to say an emoticon... An emoticon would be uh, like a really emotionally uh, fragile uh, transformer. You know what I mean? Emoticon! We are heading to rescue the humans! I can't. I'm just... It's all so sad. But emoticon, you must decepticon, emoticon. Oh no, I, I get where you're going. F you guys, that's funny. I don't care what you think. That's funny. Sorry to bug you, are you free to chat anytime soon? I'm at dinner with a friend. Can you text me the gist? Sorry, I can't wait till you're done. When do you think you'll have time to chat? An hour? Sounds good. What's up? Rumor control about Bob somebody. Okay. Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, anyway. Uh, here's some more news. If you go down to Pioneer Courthouse Square within the next 13 minutes, you'll get a free bus pass. Yes, it's their celebration, but you get the presents. At some point today, they'll have the 100 millionth ride aboard TriMet. Don't ask me how they reached this total, but it is true. Uh, they're also giving away uh, some other free stuff. This seems like an arbitrarily uh, arrived at number. This doesn't. This seems like that thing in the Brady Bunch where what's his name? Peter can't ever win anything, and then he's the millionth customer at the store, and they give him a trophy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's, it's all it's it's made up. It, it seems fabricated. So anyway, uh, attend this fabricated event at Pioneer Courthouse Square. Won't you please? And get some free stuff. Well, I'll try to go through uh, more of these texts later today, and we'll Excellent. have some for tomorrow. Don't you mean sext, Tim? I say obligatorily. Yes. All right.
Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's see. What haven't we covered today? I'm trying to go through my notes here. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Oh, we haven't talked about uh, Megan Fox today, which we should because... Transformers opens today, actually. This is the day the Transformers 2... Uh, open. See, now, here's the thing, because we talked uh, to Adam Bush, who was the, the winner, the KUFO listener that we sent to London, and he got three, basically three full days there, which is great. Mm-hmm. And we knew that there were going to be some of the celebrities. I didn't know everybody was going to be there, so he said it was Shia LaBeouf and Tyrese and, uh, uh, what's her name, Megan Fox and Michael Bay. I mean, they, they were all there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if Anthony, is Anthony Anderson uh, in this in this second one? But I think they, he said basically everybody was in attendance. And he gave it like a huge thumbs up. So now the thing, that coupled with the fact that it's undoubtedly going to be the number one movie it's like i have no choice now i must i must go see uh what roger ebert describes as being quote a horrible experience of unbearable length oh there you go uh so here's tim riley re oh, megan fox or the repeated line run oh my god run <laughs> let's That's outrun this dialogue so uh the lovely uh, megan j fox says there's nothing happening happening with her romantically at the moment unfortunately when you're gonna bust out the romance for all of us to find out about anything happening Really? What? Is that actually, is that how she speaks? Because I thought that there was like a put on when she does that baby girl No, voice. that's how she talks. She's deeply stupid. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, cut right to, you have both symptom and disease. No, I mean, honestly, like, her she looks have gotten her everywhere. She she's just stupid. walks in places in slow motion, and that's all she's asked to do. <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, all she has to do is bend over a motorcycle. I want you to, uh... well, I'm sure it began with something else before that. <laughs> You mean like a uh, like a like a Buick, yes, or a couch or a Packard. <laughs> All right, hey, uh, real quickly, I want to say this. Don't forget, uh, coming up Friday, that is the day after tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming up Friday at nine a.m., you're going to be able to stop buying a Pearl District tattoo certificates uh, at half price. It's going to be part of KUFO's half off sale for Pearl, uh, Pearl District tattoo. And basically, what it is is twenty five will get you fifty. So twenty five bucks, you get yourself fifty dollars uh, toward a tattoo at Pearl District tattoo. And if you're saying to yourself like, I can't. You know, I can't get anything with fifty bucks because sometimes you feel some of the certain businesses you feel like that's the deal where they give you a coupon that you like you know not, not even going to be able to use. Actually, Sarah has on her wrist. Uh, Sarah has some tattoos that you got with your sister, and actually, I did. that too. That yes. tattoo is fifty bucks. Fifty bucks a piece. So what you're going to be able to do as of Friday at nine a.m. is go to uh, kufo.com. You click on the half price banner. You'll be able to get yourself a fifty dollars certificate for just twenty five bucks to Pearl District Tattoo. They are the Pearl's first and only custom skin gallery. They can start a new beginning on you. They're located at Northwest 9th and Northrop. You can find that more at 503-241-4713 and you can buy that Friday at 9 a.m. Right now, however, if you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101, you'll actually uh, win one of those just for being that uh, lucky caller. That is Pearl District Tattoo, a $50 gift certificate if you are caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101. Caller 10 at 503-228-4101 and you can buy those Friday at 9 a.m. at KUFO.com. All right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondent Jim Roop for joining us today. Also, a mystery guest whose name was Eric Golub. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we want to thank... listening right now. Hello, Eric. Thank you for providing some quality entertainment to us. We want to thank Adam Bush, our Transformers 2 winner, and Dan Finnerty from the Dan Band. Don't forget, you go to rickemerson.com, and you can vote on best of segments. You can vote on segments from the program you want to hear again when we are uh, gone on Friday, July 3rd. Go to rickemerson.com, which is produced today and every day by the lovely and talented uh, Sarah X. Stone for Rock 101, KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler, who's the production assistant, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS 
Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F with me Reynolds and executive producer Christopher J. Paddock coming up next to do Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. My name is Rick Emerson. It is Wednesday, June 24th, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. Thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.